girls' children of all ages, this is Apex Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm new. The new thing. I'll go to the school. That's how, that's how you do it. I'll get it. I'll get it. No, eventually. we threw it off because we usually do this, and then the th- but then it threw me off. I just ensured I have to come back sometime. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do it again. I'm Let's go. What? No, fuck it. I'm rolling through. I'm powering yeah. through. I am your host, Russell Broderick. Somewhere beneath me is Dario Albuquerque. <laughs> Why well, I got to be beneath you, though? <laughs> <laughs> You're That's a bottom, dude. Sorry. The way it works, bottom feeder. Is that what I am? No <laughs> bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the one. Uh, off camera is the fairy pod my Lindsay Lehman. Hello. Say just a mute. Just nothing. And in the middle. I believe in the middle. Are we right, Lynn? Yes, you're right. In the middle. Oh. Beneath me. Again, beneath me. We have a very special guest. For today's show, he's Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I've, ne- I've, I've never heard that before in my entire <laughs> life. Believe me. it or not, yeah, he only he only <laughs> gets, he only gets that. that really from family. Before <laughs> before we uh, before we like recorded, that? I said to Johnny, I was like, "Come on, don't." I was like, "I was like, how are we gonna introduce? How are we gonna introduce Johnny?" He goes, "Bro, don't worry, I got it. I'm yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I got this. All right. All right. But Johnny Arnett, special guest here on Apex Greatness. He is here. We are here to do something different on the show. We're not doing a legacy breakdown. We're not doing a hypothetical. We are talking about a very important a list that means a lot. Well, personally, it means a lot to me because I've been waiting for this list for a long time. When I was a kid, on VHS, they had the 96 All-Star Game, right? 96 All-Star Game, and 49 out of the 50 players, no, 48, right? It was Shaq and Pete Maravich that weren't there, right? I think so. Yeah, no, Shaq no, had Shaq the was, injury. Shaq was hurt. Yeah, Shaq was hurt. So, and Pete Maravich, you know, rest in peace. But 48 out of 50 members in one arena. Of the 50 greatest players of all time to celebrate 50 years of the NBA. And you knew inevitably, well, Johnny for sure knew inevitably, that there would be an update on this list at some point, either 100 or 75. It was bound to happen because the first time worked out so well. <laughs> so now, this week, we're recording this on the 18th. Of October this week, they are releasing the official 75 greatest players list of NBA history. I thought that they would show respect to the people that already made the list and, and you know, just add 25 of them. You know, maybe somebody we missed uh, in the first list and you know, taking over taking these last 25 years into account. But no, they said, fuck all that. Fuck everything from your childhood. Throw it behind you. They're doing a whole new list. How do you guys feel about that? Because I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. So, so for me, me. I, I'm usually, and people who watch the podcast already know, I'm kind of a little disrespectful to the older, older generation. (laughs) 
basketball player. Anyone, any players before 1980, I kind of don't really show as, as much respect as I should. But I still feel like that's extremely disrespectful because <laughs> it's like you you already like have the, had them solidified. Their names were like concrete pretty much at that point. And then now you have a complete bias towards the list now because there's no way players of this of this time or anybody at the, who's watching basketball at this time is going to show those older players love. And I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like it automatically makes the list not as um uh, uh legitimate. Yeah, legit yeah, legit. Exactly. What do you think? What do you think, John? You think there's going to be too much bias? Uh yeah, I, I don't like it. I mean, it kind of depends on who would be voting, but because it's like there's going to be different groups of people that are going to be voting. So there's going to be some media people. There's going to be some coaches. I believe there's some coaches, but I definitely know there's going to be even some players, like active players. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, how the heck are those guys supposed to have a full perspective on 75 years? I understand like I'm, you know, early thirties. So even myself, like as much as I consider myself like a basketball history buff, like I might not be the best person to give a vote on that. Like, if I was say, if there was a bunch of guys giving a vote, I want them to be like a bunch of Hubie Browns, you know, <laughs> like a, like dudes who have been around the NBA for like as as long as it's been around. Like get those guys um, to give their most impartial perspectives, and obviously those guys could lean a little bit into their past, and yeah. maybe nostalgia plays a little bit of a role. But I don't think that part of their bias is going to be as strong as players who literally don't know a lot of these old school guys like. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, so I, it's just the way they're doing it. It's just, I feel like it's gonna, it's really gonna emphasize the modern guys probably pretty heavily. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah. I really factor that into it because in my head, again, in my head, I thought they were gonna keep the original 50, but I just kind of thought that they, I think there will be people who will, I think it'll screw its, like, like you said, I think it will like balance itself out. I think there's Hope gonna so. be older people, I think there will be newer people. And those guys did have, if they were in the original 50, yeah. I mean, you had 25 years to enjoy that. So, I mean, even <laughs> if you do bump out, like, even if you do drop out, like, that's that's a long time to enjoy one of being the 50. So, if, so if some guys fall out, it's not the end of the yeah. world, but, yeah. yeah. I feel like Ernie definitely has to be one of those voters. I remember like, watching a podcast of Ernie Johnson talking about, like, yeah. just the history of basketball and just, like, the little shit he knew about, like, certain certain games was so like he still remembered certain things about certain games and i I thought that that was really interesting so i feel like like a perfect guy yeah everybody's going to be making their videos critiquing the 75 after it comes out which by the time this video gets up maybe it is official but um everybody's going to be critiquing the list that's what i want to critique is i want to critique the guys who voted and I want to be like, why is this guy on the list of voters? This is crap. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, I think that can make an interesting video because, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who these guys are. Skip yeah. Bayless putting LeBron at 76. <laughs> oh my. 100%. 100% likely. Um, but wait, for the sake ah, Wait, go. Aren't they all Hall of Famers, though, too, this whole list? So that's a Reggie, famous Reggie Miller, uh, or in my opinion, a famous Reggie Miller quote. Reggie Miller said on an open court, I guess it's not that famous, but Reggie Miller said on an open court, now it's 50. I think 50 out of the 50 people on this list are in the Hall of Fame, correct? Yeah. So that's the case. I think Shaq was the last one. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, though. 
a basketball hall of fame is like so freaking easy yeah. to get into it's that's a story for a relatively, relatively no i understand yeah. that but then like how do you take a hall of famer off of a list that's the yeah. reggie that's the reggie theory that's exactly what he yeah. said he said who are you gonna take out yeah yeah i remember and that and that will be the other side of the coin of if maybe someone doesn't enjoy their 25 years they're gonna look at it and go shit i went from the top 50 now i can't even crack 75 <laughs> <laughs> I feel disrespected. That's going to be how they live with it for a while. But, but And that goes back to like our ongoing like debate on this podcast where like some of these guys look like you look at a Russell Westbrook compared to a guy from the 60s and everyone's going to say, well, he's clearly a better player. But it's not like we always talk about what well, Russell really emphasizes. They didn't have all of the, the technology, all this other stuff. So like. In the in their time, they were very, you know, they were very good for what they had, kind of thing. So, and right. that's going to be lost in 2021 when no one's thinking about what the hell people had in the 60s to train and you know work on, kind of thing. So, that'll be interesting. <clears throat> yeah, very true. But for the sake of time, we are going to assume that the 50 players fucking made it. We should come back at some point. And look at the people who did make the cut. Because <laughs> that's going to be that's gonna be its own thing in itself. Is players who were on the first list and aren't on this list. It just gives the media something to do for like the next week or two. Like yeah. they're going to just be all on that for the next week. Eating that shit up. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, but we came up with, we each came up with a list. Of our next 25 that should be added to the 75. And we are here to discuss that and talk about the guys we agree on, but more importantly, the guys we don't. So, <laughs> in front of you on your screen is, the, is kind of all of our list combined. In black, we actually, Nolan, you made this, so please. Okay, so black uh, is unanimous, and then in the bottom left square, you have when three people agreed. In the green, it's when Russell, Dario, and myself agreed. And then in the blue, it's when Dario, myself, and Johnny agreed. And then everything else after that, it goes by color. I'm purple, Russell's red, Johnny's blue, Dario's green. So Dwight Howard was agreed on by myself and Russell. And that's how you figure it out. And then the bottom is just people who were only chosen by one person. So, looking at the unanimous, you're going to see a lot of names that you'd probably expect. Duncan, uh, Kobe, of course, my two guys underneath me. Uh, LeBron, Steph, Dirk. Of all the people on this, on this, in this unanimous category, I'm kind of surprised we all had Dennis Rodman. I kind, I thought that was going to be one where not everybody agreed. Yeah, uh, but go ahead, yeah. I, I I was thinking the same, but I yeah. I felt like it was obvious for Dennis Rodman to be part of the the uh, the twenty five. But okay. I was kind of thinking like maybe people wouldn't just because of the lack of lack lack of offensive ability. Yeah, because that's the pretty stuff. But, but just what I think he's the greatest, one of the greatest top five defenders of all time. So I think he's the most versatile uh, versatile defender of all time. Okay. I mean, because if you think about um, 
what he and of course you could be talking about different points of his career but if you think about over the course of rodman's career yeah he at times was assigned to guard magic johnson he was assigned to guard michael jordan Mm -hmm. he was assigned to guard i mean larry bird he was assigned to guard carl malone and Shaq. i just covered all five positions and some of the greatest players of all time at each position so i mean when you're talking about one of the greatest rebounders one of the greatest defensive players it's hard kind of voting specialists into this over like well-rounded players, but Rodman was just so good at what he was good at that I, I had to put him in. Yeah. And on the, so on this podcast, um, we, t- we typically talk about architects, like Russell kind of made this thought up and where um, each player kind of creates their own architect. And we say Dennis Archi- Rodman. Hang on. Archetype, not architects. Architect, my I was bad. One- I was wondering whether you're gonna just let it, just let him. I knew. Yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad. English is my first language, but I guess my second. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> but um, archetypes, and we think that well, R- Russell's brought this up where Dennis Rodman is under like the Bill Russell archetype. Yeah, and so we and he has mentioned that that brings has ten over history. It's brought the most championships that way, and Dennis Rodman. Pretty much everywhere he went, he or for the most part, um, he's made them relevant. And he's also, like, he made Detroit uh, a championship contender immediately once he took on that role as a starter. Um, five-time NBA champion. Um, I got him at two-time defensive player of the year, seven-time rebound champ, and he's, what, 6'7"? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, a, hilarious, uh, there's a hilarious story about, Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell talking to each other on the phone and they see a story about Dennis Rodman being the best rebounder ever. Yeah. <laughs> it, there's Because Will Chamberlain's just freaking out about how uh, if Wilt was in this time, he'd never, uh, he would never have been the, the greatest rebounder in that era, et cetera. But. You get the 10,000 point basketball here and the 20,000 rebounds. I don't think anyone's getting 20,000 rebounds again. I'm going to say, you, I think you and Will were the only two. I think that's yeah. it. He called me up one day. Sports Illustrated had a cover. I said, is Dennis Rodman the best rebounder ever? Oh, God. And Will was so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and I cleaned it up saying annoyed. So he calls me up and he asked me, did I believe this bleep? And so I said, well, I don't pay attention to that. He says, I had more rebounds a quarter than he had on the whole game. Et cetera, but... That's yeah. such a load of crap. Let me let me put this out there. Let me yeah. put this out there real quick. When Dennis Rodman was in the league in the nineties, yeah, there was r- right around forty-one to forty-four rebounds per game, yeah, per team. When Wilt Chamberlain averaged twenty-five rebounds a game in nineteen sixty-two, they were averaging about seventy-two. The pace is like yeah. this, and the yeah. shot the field goal percentage went like that. But- yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was. It was literally just designed for those guys back then. Not designed, but it was constructed in such a way where you were just going to get ridiculous, goofy rebounding numbers. Yeah. That's not saying they weren't impressive for doing it, yeah. but to act like Rodman wouldn't get a significant boost playing back then, like, come yeah. on. I agree. And also, like, the we see a lot of the, the stat in terms of statistics and things like that. It's starting to happen again now. With We're seeing a lot of inflated statistics because it's it's the pace is starting to climb back up from well at least when Rodman was playing that's the other thing yeah. Rodman's getting all these rebounds in a much slower paced environment 
There's just yeah, less like of he, everything going on. Yeah, and, so yeah, like yeah. he said, it, if there's 41 rebounds to go around and he's getting about 19 of them, yeah. he's getting about half his team's rebounds. Fucking like, that's bonkers. insane. At six seven, like that's yeah. the that that is. It, so he definitely to me it was a no brainer for him to be in, in that top twenty five. Last thing, like you la, like you said about the archetype. So basically, the 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 Bill Russell archetype is selfless defender, like defensive leader, who wins a lot. That's essentially, and you can find that guy kind of going throughout history. Bending it a little bit because I know I have Draymond Green towards this era, but it's still it's not a perfect fit. But still, lots of championships, defensive leader, yeah, selfless yeah. things like that. Uh, and Rodman, Ben Wallace, Ben, ben Wallace is yeah. the point between Rodman and to, and today. I think Ben Wallace, and then some put some might say Dwight Howard, but I I put because you also have to be undersized. That's the other point because Bill Russell was technically undersized in his in his era it was closer to being more you know, big, but all these guys are shorter, hardworking. Hey, is his height though, isn't he? Who? Dwight Howard. Isn't he the same height as Bill Russell? I think Bill no. Russell is a little shorter. They're both about 6'10". I think yeah, Dwight but, might be listed at 6'11", so maybe Dwight's got an inch on him. But Yeah. I thought it's, Dwight was 6'10". On no. basketball reference, they was Bill Russell at 6'10". In 2K, they have him at 6'9". <laughs> Don't ask me why I know all this shit. I heard they measured dudes back then, like that far back, without their shoes on, though, too. So that maybe if a guy back then, you might want to give him an inch. There's so. also so much like bullshit when you look at people's that, especially in like, like they'll just not tell the truth. Kevin Durant, great example, a guy who you don't know how tall he actually is. You put I hate next- mentioning it in my videos, dude. I hate talking like if you <laughs> just want a sure fight, just like say how tall like Jerry West is or like Charles Barkley is. <laughs> Like anytime I say Charles Barkley is like I I could go with the quote official listing and yeah. say he's six six and I get killed in the comments. I can say he's six four and then people are sending me links to basketball references going he's six six and I'm just, there's no there's no winning like I, yeah I just always go with the official reference and and yeah whatever I guess <laughs> no that's, I, that's hilarious it's the same kind of thing because when you see when you see them. Uh, like ne- when you see Kevin Durant stand next to Giannis and you see Kevin Durant at six, eight or six, nine, and then you see Giannis at almost seven feet or six, 11, mm-hmm. something is askew yeah. <laughs> they're all of they're, because they look relatively similar in size, especially when they're guarding each other. Um, and I've seen, and, and I've seen Kevin Durant play like in person and he really does look, he looks like I, I've said this before, but it, it's very true. He looks like a uh, he looks like a tall Samuel Jackson, like <laughs> he literally look because he looks old as hell. Like, but he's tall. You got the little bald spot, and everything. He looks like a tall like, Samuel L. Jackson, like, like Samuel from like Captain Marvel, where it's oh, like no, no, my bad. where like he they de-age him, but you can still tell that he's like hunched over, moving <laughs> like an old man. Like is that, that's a Samuel we're talking about. <laughs> I'm thinking of Morgan Freeman. I, I, oh, more wow. Freeman. Oh, oh my god! Now it makes more sense what I'm talking about. He looks oh like my god. I'm what not, an asshole! What? what? Oh. How? There's a <laughs> there's like a something. famous there's a famous news thing. There's a famous news uh, skit like a real where Samuel Jackson's uh, uh, getting interviewed by the news anchor, and the news anchor calls him Morgan Freeman and likes like, what was it like being in Bruce Almighty and shit like that? <laughs> <laughs> He goes, he goes, 
not all of us look alike. All right. <laughs> I just always get I, for whatever reason. I always just get their names confused. I don't think they look alike. I just think that I just get because it's the old white. I mean the old the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just like starting to. Like, you know so what? take Let take that sho- take that shovel. Put it down. <laughs> yeah. nope. Stop digging. Stop, please. Don't right, so stop. next guy on the list, you know. Yeah. So, so hold on. Is there any more? Are there any more unanimous guys that we want to like give a shout out? Giannis, unanimous by all of us. I love that. He's my favorite player playing currently. So I'm happy about that. And I feel like the championship and the finals MVP fucking yeah, solidified it. Would bad. would he have been on your list? He was on your list, Johnny, when you did this a few years ago. If I have that correct, but yeah, I got a lot of heat for that too. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad you did because I agree. <laughs> and he only had one MVP at that point, right? When you made that list. Yeah, yeah. but like he was like the Shaq of my list, where yeah. it's like because if you remember Shaq and like when they announced it in '96, when they yeah. did the ceremony in '97, mm-hmm. people were like, Shaq's been in the league for like four years you know four or yeah. five years at that point like we already putting him in but everybody's like but yeah you know he's gonna be in it like come on like yeah. and that was how i felt about Giannis. like he had some ridiculous monstrous numbers at that point but i'm like unless the dude just like breaks his femur tomorrow like he's gonna be fine like he's gonna yeah. make this list yeah. yeah he would have to have some derrick rose kind of this guy this guy's not on our screen right now so i figured i'd throw it out there do you guys think luca might be that guy for this list Ooh, that ooh, what is it? Right? Had, I feel the same way. I have no I think, idea. But I think that's Luke too early. I agree, but I, I, timing's I not on his side. Two more years, two more years, maybe. But the, I think what is he going on his third, fourth season now? Either way, it's too early. Oh no, yeah, it's. A, I agree. It's a, especially at this point. Like, I st- Shaq probably shouldn't have been on that list. Really, he um, says he shouldn't have been on it. Yeah, yeah he's he said that more than once. Like this will be his fourth year. You having Giannis on your list makes more sense to me than Shaq being on the list in '96 because Giannis at least had an MVP at that point, and he's yeah. he's obviously ascending to that to that level. And yeah. I mean, now he, at this point, Giannis would have been on my list either way because of the two MVPs. Sure. Not a, only top ten players of all time have two MVPs. Yeah. No and that first MVP. Uh, that first MVP was the greatest player efficiency rating season of all time, which people people defer on how much they care about the PER stat. But yeah. like he did it in so little minutes. And I kind of made this comparison one time, but like Wilt used to play 48 minutes. Like in 1962, when he put up 50 points, 25 rebounds, he played all 48 minutes. Yeah. Now that's impressive because obviously stamina plays a part. But if you but if you prorate that, put Giannis in that 2020 season, let him play all 48. Those numbers are now 44 points, about 21 rebounds, and nine assists. And now you're going, wow, there's a universe where like Giannis looks like Wilt Chamberlain. You know, <laughs> it's like that really kind of puts in perspective like how much he was producing within, you know, 30 minutes a game. Like that's pretty insane. He'd have all those stats and probably one or two torn ACO. There's <laughs> that's my thing. I don't know if do you think a guy, this is kind of off topic, but not really. Do you think there do you think a guy could do that in today's era like or do you just think the guys are moving too fast too much like yeah i think yeah i think some guys would have a hard time doing it but i also think wilt had a freakish like sure wilt had a lot of freakish stuff about him but like he must have had like a russell westbrook motor like because the dude's just like non-stop and he told his coach he's like i want to play every single minute 
yeah. guys who played against him said he never looked winded. You know, that's that's crazy. I mean, and I hate when people always bring that up. Like, that's just a negative, like a gotcha moment. Like, <laughs> oh, well, Will always played like 48 minutes. So, of course, he's going to be could put up good numbers. I don't like, know anybody who talks like that. Absolutely. How many how many people can play 48 minutes? Like, how, how many guys could do that? Yeah, well, why is Giannis yeah. playing 30 minutes a game? Like, guys get tired. Wilt does it. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the, another thing is the pace at that point was this fast. Yeah, or yes. faster. Yeah, yeah. Fa- yeah. So, so in that, like, that's a, that's a ar- definitely an argument for Wilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just know, like, I had this problem with Jordan. Like, I don't know if Jordan could play as many minutes today as he did then because of the pace being you know the slower pace makes it a lot easier to get away with shit like that and it makes it a lot easier to protect your body i think lebron would have loved that playing that late 90s just control the game doing all that he started doing that towards when he had to against the warriors and later in his career anyways the whole thing is with Giannis, we even saw that like happen once once they like increased his minutes the 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 efficiency wasn't wasn't the same like right yeah. Um, when they increased it during the playoffs and stuff. So, I mean, even though you did play amazing there in the playoffs, but it's not the same jump like Wilt would, Wilt would do. So, And maybe that's because, obviously, he's grabbing 25 rebounds off 75 missed shots, and he's just put, doing putbacks to get his his 50 points or whatever. But still, it, he can take advantage of it. <laughs> I'm not trying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't want to derail this. Too, I don't want to derail this conversation too much from off topic because there's yeah. so much I could say to that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I was about to say this guy is trying so hard not to. I, I was I'll, trying. I'll, I'll not find another day. I'm doing your. I'm waiting for the textbook little white kids conversation that you usually get into. Uh, but uh, you see, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to be respectful. We're talking about the 75 greatest <laughs> players. What is 100 in that 75 list for me? Oh yeah. So I'm not even arguing. So I'm Dario, you know, you know that's objectively wrong, though, right? <laughs> like, it is objectively wrong. They were not all a bunch of short white guys. No, I know that. <laughs> they Russell, were not. Me and Russell actually. All right. So listen. Me what Russell, is the average height of a player in the 1960s? Do you know that? <laughs> like six eight, six nine, something like that. I, I've seen. <laughs> no, God, they've never been that big. But, yeah, I was about to say. It's today like, it's six six. Back yeah. then, when they were getting measured with their shoes off, it was six five. Okay. So it's like it's like basically the same. Also consider this. Back then, because there was only like nine to twelve teams in the league, depending on the year, guys are playing each other twelve to fifteen times a year. Okay, so that means he's got to play against Bill Russell fifteen times. Do you really want to? He's got to play against Nate Thurman fifteen times. He's got to play against Walt Bellamy fifteen times. It's like at this point, like it's ridiculous. So anyway. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> That's what it was. That was school. I I would I would really argue. So would you say that any of those guys are um, the same level of talent as a Shaq? How many guys are on the same level as a Shaq? All right. No. Okay. I, I mean, um, you can only play the guys in front of you. But Tim Duncan going against uh, David Robinson going against. We're we talking okay, about guys okay. at that 75 level. Bill you know, Russell is. Bill Russell was 6'10 and one of the greatest defensive players of all time. I'm not sure if you know this, but he was an Olympian leaper at one point, or could have been an Olympian leaper. At one point, he was measured with the third highest vertical leap in the entire United States. Bill Russell, 6'10. And that's who's defending Wilt Chamberlain 
14, 15 times a year around that time. Nate Thurman, have you just seen pictures of Nate, Thur- Nate Thurman? He looks like he's a freaking Marvel superhero. The dude is jacked. Okay, so I mean, file has to be surgically removed. So, 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 um, <laughs> if you had, if someone was betting you money, and be honest, <laughs> if someone was betting you just straight up money, how many times is Shaq gonna rag the, uh, both of them? <laughs> Pull them all around the court and dunk on their neck. How many times? Nate do? Thurman, look up a yes. photo of Nate Thurman and tell me how many times Shaq's gonna rag all that guy. Not very I've much. I've seen Shaq. Okay. I'll tell you, not very. Look up a f- things to like. Look up Nate Thurman, please. I got you. NBA history. This is what we're about. All right, hold on. Oh my god! Look at those arms. Now this guy is one of the four players in NBA history to get a quadruple double, and a lot of and that was late in his career. Yeah. Okay, they weren't tracking blocks for like seventy five percent of this guy's career. Okay, otherwise he'd have a lot more. This guy's one of the most underrated players of all time. Why is he so small? Call it's, this wait, guy. This dude's this dude's six ten. This dude's six ten and was defending Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell all the time. You tell this dude he's a small white plumber. No. Not to his face, please. I don't, but I didn't even say it. <laughs> I haven't said it in this video. That is, I can't. You haven't said plumber. You talked about like small white dudes. The small white plumber thing. Did I, after Wilt's legacy breakup, did See, I not? Now you, yeah, you picked the shovel back up. Now you're digging again. Because <laughs> right. Nate Thurman's scaring you. I've, I've changed, like I've respected a little more after doing Wilt's legacy breakdown. I did start saying, okay, he had at least some type of competition. I just don't think when you're talking about Shaq's level of competition in the 90s, that was like the era of the big men. And sure. he was not yeah. going against those kind of big men. And that's why I feel, I feel like if Shaq was there, Wilt wouldn't look like that. They would look, it would be Shaq and Wilt looking the same. And like the, the whole thing is, is Wilt was definitely more athletic and all this other stuff. But I just think Shaq would, literally body will like i'm not gonna argue that the 90s was the greatest era of the big man ever all i'm saying is the legitimacy of the competition in the 60s is comparable they were really good especially at the big man position there was a lot of really good guys there wasn't as many names but again there wasn't as many teams so these Mm -hmm. guys had to play each other a lot it's like a lot of that talent is now condensed and so guys who would maybe be a starter in a 30 team league are just backups in a 10 team league yeah. You know, so that's something to consider too. You think this guy was on the juice? I have more pictures I look at him. I'm just like yeah, this looks, guy. When did they invent the juice? That's <laughs> another <laughs> question. Well, they, that's I mean, a long Russian, time ago. The Russians had it back in the day. In the seventies, the they were on the juice. Yeah, sure. the juice was around. The juice yeah. was it's a legitimate uh, thing. It might not. It might be primitive, but they had it. Yeah. Finding out had, that motherfucker had it because that guy's arms were. Okay, well, so I, if he if I, he's I, on I, the juice, doesn't that help my case? No, it's got nothing. I had <laughs> no. nothing to do with that. Oh, One God, more thing, before look at the veins in his biceps. Yeah. We also mentioned oh, that oh, the level of efficiency at that in that era was really bad. Yes. So yes. Don't you, that you cannot tell me that Will Chamberlain isn't having one of his little white teammates miss a jump <laughs> shot or a layup, and him not getting the rebound. And laying it up all easy. You can't tell me. Oh, no, that. 100%. Dude, there can be a middle ground. Because I've acknowledged, I just acknowledged with rebounds, those stats are inflated for sure. sure. And that's... even his 100-point game, like 
um, the guy who was supposed to be starting on the opposing team yeah. wasn't able to play because he was hung over and throwing up before the game. So Wilt dropped 100. So again, <laughs> Wilt's awesome, but they also didn't have their starting center. So they threw in this other dude and he just got absolutely destroyed. I mean, so it can be both. Like it could be incredibly <laughs> impressive while also, yeah, if he played today, he's not going to average 50. Like, and I, I, I get you- that. The, the, the best of the best, they could play in the league today and they could still be awesome. Yeah. yeah, the guys who are like you know on the bench, they're not making the NBA today. That's like, why I came up with the archetype thing for Bill Russell. Is because mm-hmm. I felt like if I could trace him through NBA history, it makes him more credible. Yeah, he, a lot of these guys exist. Like Jerry West is another guy. He exists in other. You can follow his play style throughout NBA history. Yeah, there is certain guys like Bob Cousy looks like he was one of the greatest ball handlers ever within the confinements of how he had to play. Like he looks so awkward dribbling around, like never putting his hand on the side of the ball. But when you acknowledge that like putting your side of the ball, your hand on the side of the ball was like carrying back then. That was traveling. If Iverson was trying to do his thing, he would lead the league in turnovers by far. And so it's like some of these guys look less skilled, but you can't play the game the way you you yeah. like you couldn't play it that way back then. They get Tatum bad for that. They always have. There's always videos of Tatum with the ball like this under his hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know why specifically him, but whenever I watch videos on like that's wow, like, carrying, it's like it's always Jason Tatum with his <laughs> with his hand under the ball like this. I don't know why, but yeah, as long as you make it look pretty nowadays, they're not going to call it. This is hot. Like make it look smooth. They won't call I'm, it. I'm curious. I know we got a little off topic because obviously we're talking about Will Chamberlain, who's not even on this list, but. <laughs> Do you think Bill Russell would be as great today as he? Because that's a a big argument me and Russell have. So I'm just curious to know your thoughts. That's true. No, no. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it depends what you mean. I mean, from an individual standpoint, he would still be incredible. Like I said, just one of a kind athleticism. But he played at a time where the Celtics were stacked and they stayed stacked because there was no free agency. So the only way guys move around on teams is if they trade. But when you're winning championship year after year after year, why the hell would you trade anyone? You don't. So you just are stacked and you stay stacked. It's like like if Kevin Durant was on the Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and the only way one of them's leaving is if they trade him because there is no free agency. Yeah. You know, and so he he's still going to be one of the best players in the entire league, but he's not going to win 11 championships. It was set up in such a way where one team could just dominate for a decade straight. You think he could get MVP? Because that's, that's an even up. Because if we're saying he's not even an MVP caliber player, now we're talking about that's, that's the argument that me and Dario have, because I think he could still manage to be an MVP caliber player. He would it's, need the right scoring talent around him, but I feel like say that about literally anybody. Like, there's very few people I could say don't need teammates. Like, you're yeah, gonna- I, I think it's hard just because yeah. like the games changed and like the voters have changed over yeah. the years. Like back then it was the players. Sure. Now it's the media. Yeah. And so they're going to have a different perspective on what they're seeing compared to what the guys were playing against. Right. And like, I just think defense is so overlooked. Like sure. offense is so right. romanticized. I mean, just even look at Ben Wallace. How long did it take that dude to get in the Hall of Fame? Oh, way too long. Like that's yeah. the answer. It's just way too long. Yeah. So Bill Russell might not be winning MVPs, but I don't know if that's a result of his impact as much as it is, is he's just not on the lead score. So yeah. he's just not going to stand out as much to these voters. You see, and the, what I what I think is, 
I think Bill Russell on any team, he would make them help make them a championship team. But I I agree. I don't think he'd be an MVP caliber player. And that's where I feel like the drop off comes in because I I understand his defensive impact, but I don't think his defensive impact is going to matter as much when you like if you like let's say if you would have thrown him in the mid two thousands, like you can't tell me Bill Russell's a better player than LeBron James or Kobe Bryant at that time. Like he, I don't care what his defense is doing. I I, yeah. I I I feel like what they're doing on both ends overshadows that. So yeah, it, even if even if he was, people right. wouldn't view him that way. That's yeah. that's how I'm saying it. It's like I still think he'd be amazing. Just he'll get a yeah. little less credit. Yeah. Let's let's move from the unanimous yeah, to the first case, which is three people are on board and one person is not. I want to start with the person you just brought up in Ben Wallace. So you want him to be in the Hall of Fame, you say. Yeah. But you do not want him to be in your top seventy-five list. And I would like to know before, I want to know why he didn't make your list before I explain why he, he might be able to make it. Well, first of all, he's awesome. Uh, I will acknowledge <laughs> he's a great player just because he's not my 25. He could be 26, 27, 28. Yeah. He's just barely yeah, yeah. missed. Um, it's, it gets back to the point where most of the time, most of the time, I'm going to pick guys who are well-rounded basketball players. And that's going to be relevant to some of the other guys we're going to talk about that I missed too. Yeah, And just the fact that um, he just he he was a liability on offense. You know, one of the greatest defensive players ever. But m- when we're talking about the select few greatest players of all time, yeah, most of the time I'm gonna be looking at guys who have a complete game. Okay. Reggie Miller is one of those guys again who I think he's one of the greatest specialists of all time. Sure, you know, great at running around the court. You know, playing off ball, shooting three pointers. But when you look at like his accolades, his achievements, you know, and what he could do outside of that. It's not the most elaborate, you know, it's not the most, um, Dennis Rodman is a guy that I debated whether or not he should be in that 25 because of what we're saying. Again, he is another specialist, but he's so good at being a specialist that with the rebounding and defense, he was just enough to get me in. Ben Wallace just fell out of that. I mean, if he's putting up like 15 points a game in his career, he's in. Okay. That's it. That's it. Like, like it wouldn't take much, but just the fact that he is just so hardcore a one-way player, yeah, um, is why he just narrowly missed for me. Would hardware make it different? Like, would he if he got that Finals MVP over Chauncey? Would it have mattered? That's my thing. Maybe. Maybe. But but this is kind of a unique list because. It's different if I'm talking about who who I think the best players ever are. But when you're talking about like the 50 players or the 75 greatest players of all time, I kind of use the how they picked in 97 as a standard. Okay. Because they were very much picking based on accolades, statistics, achievements. Like you could just tell, like, why does a guy like Dominique Wilkins not get in, but a guy like Robert Parrish does? True. Because they're looking at hardware. You know, they're looking at the bottom line of what you got at the end of the day. So Mm -hmm. with my 25, I tried to be a little bit consistent with that. So you're going to see guys who maybe you go, hey, he might not be winning one-on-one, but technically he is the more accomplished, you know, proven player, had a long, more productive career, things like that. So maybe it would, but I don't know. One finals MVP, I don't know. I I still think I might leave him out, but. See, I was going to ask, what if they would have went back to back? Because remember, they, they, they lost in that 2005 
championship to, to the Spurs, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you get, I think he's in. You give him back-to-back. You give yeah, him back-to-back, he's in. It's so close. It's so close. I was going to say, because it's so, it's so similar between him and Rodman, kind of. Um, but I think Rodman, with, obviously, with the five championships and being such a core piece in those five championships makes him like a no like a no brainer but i think because and wallace, wallace isn't nearly the rebounder that rodman is i mean you could say yeah. they're comparable defensively but he's not the rebounder rodman is so he's i mean yeah. he's a specialist okay. in a couple areas so yeah probably so dennis rodman what do you think ben wallace 70 75 percent of the rebounder or less Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I might go. I'd have to. I'd yes. have to look at the numbers, look at the ratio and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, I would guess sixty-five to seventy-five. Yeah, seventy-five. If, right? if That's where my head was at. Because I would yeah. agree. I don't think he's the same level. Because Dennis Rodman had a weird obsession with rebounding to the clicks on the fucking hoop. Yeah. That's a, I, I love that guy though. That is literally <laughs> my favorite guy to have on my team are the Dennis Rodmans. Like really? all you got to do is just harass the best player on the other side. <laughs> set, set screens so I got some sweet open jumpers, oh, you yeah. know, and just like get rebounds so we get more opportunities to score. Like you are my dream teammate. I love guys like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah just let me shoot the ball. I'll go Colby. No. You be Rodman. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's why, and I find, I think that that's why those type of guys, as long as they have guys who can score around them, win rings. Because I don't think there's that many of them throughout history that can actually succeed at that level where they're starting, they're carrying the defense, but they're not doing it all on the scoring side. And that unselfishness, I think, allows for definitely better team chemistry and usually more team success. Because people aren't worried about getting that guy the ball. Like, it's much to your point. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so just to, for on my side, the, the way I kind of looked at each person that I picked was I look at it as if you're going through NBA history, could you not talk about these people? And um, I feel like that's really important. Like, if you to me, if you want a championship, you're automatically at least considered to me. Like to be, I'm going to think about you. I'm going to talk about you. Ben Wallace, four, four time defensive player of the year. Is he like, isn't it only That's him? Tied and for the most yeah. It's him and Dikembe, right? Kembe, right? Yep. Is it? Oh, okay. Dikembe too. Yeah. So, so like that to me automatically like that, you, you, you become, you're in the conversation and, and that's another guy that I was like, so I wasn't a hundred percent like. If someone told me Ben Wallace isn't on this list, I'm not completely mad at, but I'd argue enough for him because I feel yeah. like what he did was definitely impactful. He helped bring a team to a championship or, I mean, to the, to the finals twice. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of players really do that. Like, he, like, if you look at Dwight Howard, who I didn't have on my list, four-time defensive player of the year, even won a championship. I don't think Dwight helped. He wasn't one of the core pieces that helped bring that Lakers right. to that championship. So that's why I don't look at him the same way as Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace was like a, a focal point in that Detroit um, basketball and defense. Like without him, they probably wouldn't have gotten as far as they did. So like yeah. that's why I kind of held Ben Wallace up to that 25-player yeah. standard. But um, I'm not mad if someone doesn't want him. I'm cool with that. So I feel like just a piece of garbage. Because 
I'm supposed to be the guy with Celtic stuff in his background. And I and Paul Pierce is one of the reasons why I fell in love with the game. The the big three Celtics is why are they they're the reason why I got into basketball. But I couldn't find it in me to put Paul Pierce on my 75. He was within 75 to 80 for me. He was in that like he just missed missed the cut for me. Because I felt like going back to what I asked Johnny, I felt like that finals MVP wasn't enough for me. In ge- like it doesn't hold that much weight uh, for him as it would for maybe other people that I have on my list. And I think, I just don't know. Like what, it, why do you guys feel like Paul Pierce should make it over guys like, uh, like Ben Wallace, Reggie Miller. So, so growing up for me, I was obviously I'm a Laker fan, and I still looked at Paul Pierce at least from probably 2008 to 2012 maybe as a top five player in the league. Okay, I thought so. I definitely held him to like a pretty high standard personally, but obviously the championship against Kobe and the and the obviously that means a lot to me. But but with the Finals MVP, and um, I mean he's. Also, like in the history books too, isn't he like ninth all time, three three all time three point shooting, threes made. Yeah, and he's then high. I think, I think he's top twenty all time points. So like, between that and I like, I feel like his his whole thing is like wow on the money. Really, just look at his stats and say how great he was. Like watching him play, like Paul Pierce was just completely different compared to like. Everybody like in a league where athleticism was so big, like he he gave LeBron James a hard time throughout a lot of his career, sure. and it was because of like certain things he did. So I don't know. I just I would never forget about Paul Pierce because of because of like what I saw, and also just watching him play. He beat my he beat my favorite player in the championship in the finals. He he brought his team. He was one of the main leaders of his team yeah. to get to two NBA championship. I mean finals. So yeah. to me, that matters. Like, and what he did in, in the postseason mattered a lot too. And I think he always performed in the postseason. Yeah, they yeah. were they were competitive a lot before um, Garnett even showed up. Like him and Antoine Walker, like back in the day, they were they were a pretty good team. They were winning a lot of games. He, I believe, it was there's some weird stat from like 2001 to like 2006, something like that, like a five year stretch where he scored more points than anybody in the entire league yeah so he's he's one of the all-time great three-point shooters he's one of the greatest scorers in nba history he's an nba champion he has that finals mvp he's i believe he's one of the most clutch players of all time like when he had the ball in his hands and the game was on the line paul pierce is one of the best options to take that last shot and like that dude was nicknamed the truth by Shaq, obviously off of one great game but it stuck and it stuck for a reason like because he was the truth he was reliable he'd have big games you know and if 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 somebody like paul george was given the nickname like the truth after like one good game that would not have stuck because like pandemic p shows up and sorry nobody's (laughs) calling you the truth anymore you know and so, I mean, I don't know. I just, with how much he scored, you know, winning the championship. And the funny thing is, like, I feel like Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce 
are all better than their one championship ring because it was just a perfect situation. It was all these guys who were playing with teams that didn't have the greatest talent now coming together to make this juggernaut of a team. But yeah. they could have all been winning earlier if they had just better supporting casts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing, though. I I think I agree. It's I'm such an asshole. And may, you know what it is? You know what it is, though? If, if I'm being fair, if I'm being super fair, his post-career has just soured me on him so much. Just about how he thinks he's better than everybody. And do I really want to hear about Paul Pierce being one of the 75 greatest players ever on a list like to, to your point that he'll have to celebrate to the end of time. I don't know if I want that for him. I think well, I he's, want not on, him. he's not on ESPN anymore. So you're not really going to hear about it. Just oh, don't yeah. follow him on Twitter and you'll be good. They're not bringing him back. Once the strippers, back. once the strippers get out of sight, out of mind, he might come back. You don't know. You don't know. And I don't want to hear about that shit. I don't want to hear about Paul Pierce telling me he's better than Dwayne Wade. And all and all these other guys, like yeah. he has a very jaded idea of how his career went. <laughs> but the whole thing, I, and I, th- I think why why he feels that way is look like for Kobe to even win that championship, he had to go seven games, and and like Paul Pierce was like yeah going back and forth with him throughout yeah. all that those both of those series. Like he won Finals MVP for a reason. So like you can see why he has that ego. Like he's like I literally made LeBron James not. Have, have opportunities at championships when after I left, he pretty much just dominated the East. He, I'm sure he looks at it and he thinks I'm the reason like, I, I'm <laughs> like a hundred percent. I don't, that's think, why he thinks, I don't have to think like, about that. I'm sure. I'm sure. He yeah. thinks that's no, I, like, get what, I get what Russell's saying too. Cause yeah. it's like, it's hard to imagine. Know. Imagine the most iconic moment of your career. And then being like, well guys, I like, I actually pooped my pants, you know? <laughs> It's like you're literally gonna ruin your best saying. moment. Your best moment. It's like he thinks he's a better shooter thinking? than Clay Thompson. Like, oh, he's there's, there's a lot of shit that he says that now I feel he needs to be held accountable for. But it's that weird thing where it's like, yeah, he's like people recognize how good he was to a certain extent when he played. But now because he's puffed himself so much, yeah. up so much that people hate on him, that he's almost becoming underrated again. And it's That's like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just don't you think, think he's a better shooter than Clay. Has he no. really said that? Yeah, yes. 100% he said that. That is insane. 1,000%. I watched it come out of his mouth. But and is he playing 4D chess? Because part of me feels <laughs> like, like he became his own personality because of ridiculous stuff he said. Sure. Like people do that sort of thing all the time. He's just like he just puts clickbait stuff out there, and it made him his own personality, and to where like people actually cared about what he said, and like people were sad when he got kicked off ESPN. Why? Because of that ridiculous stuff. People were like, I still want to see him on TV. Like he says Listen, ridiculous stuff. As someone who says ridiculous stuff on a fairly frequent basis, you could at least be honest with yourself. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. fucking honest with yourself. Sure. Be self-aware goes a long way with yours truly. Fucking, um, so, so you, I have an issue with this guy sometimes. So, so to conclude, Russell, you pretty much do feel like Paul Pierce <laughs> deserves to be in the top seventy-five. You just don't don't want. He to might be seventy-six for me. Reggie Miller, for whatever it's worth, is seventy-five on my list. Pierce is probably seventy-six. Did you actually like write down a list? Oh wait, not Reggie Miller. Excuse me. Iguodala is. Did 75. you ra- did you rank it? I had a rough order. I Did had you say Iguodala? 
Yeah, yeah that, that, I know. We have a, don't worry. We're gonna, no. get into it. We're gonna get into okay. it. He wants you to explain wow. Carmelo, and I like understand your Carmelo thing way more than Iguodala. That's the crazy. Iguodala. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to battle. But yeah. wow, last last person we got, last person we got uh, in this category is Reggie Miller. Right? We kind of talked about him a little bit. Uh, I have Reggie Miller. It's a context thing. Like his stats, you're right. Johnny, you're right. His stats don't stack up to some of the greater, greatest players in history that sometimes he's compared to. But there, there are not a lot of guys who have played as long as he did at the level that he did play at. So I was looking up some stats. And with 1,300 games played, right, and Reggie's at 1,389, he's almost at 1,400. But with 1,300 games played, he is 11th all-time in points per game. It's a, that's a tough list to crack. Yeah. He, he was good or better for a really long time. And he's one of those guys that if you bring into today's game, I think would be even better than he was then, which oh, yeah. is a new thought for me. That's a last two or three years thought. Because I used to – I love Bill Simmons. And I used to be right on Bill Simmons' corner with him saying Reggie Miller was the most overrated superstar in history. But factoring in this, this absolutely insane rise of three-point shooting, if you're telling me Reggie's going to take – and we talked about this on the show when we were doing Jordan's Legacy Breakdown. If you're telling me Jordan's going to – or not Jordan, fucking – if you're telling me Reggie Miller is going to take 10 threes a game, I think he could get to four or five. And then his career looks way different, in my opinion. And that's – like, I don't know, a guy who's definitely ahead of his time deserves to be on a list like this, in yes. my opinion. So, yeah. and to add to your point, like, I think Reggie, Reggie had, being the leader of a team, had full-out wars with the two greatest shooting guards of all time, right? He went seven games with Michael's Bulls. And Michael, that same year, said Reggie Miller was that player he hated to play against the most. Sure. Because of the way he played, and and that that was a point that I used um, in the future, saying that that's another reason I think Michael would hate to play the guys like of this era because they played just like Reggie. But so, but he hated playing against Reggie. He and Reggie did very well against Michael. It all things considered, compared to how everybody else did, and he went seven games with him, and he went he brought a team to the NBA Finals and went six games with arguably what the greatest Shaq ever like that 2000 Shaq is probably the greatest Shaq we've ever seen Reggie was really nice that year too a lot of people lose track of that like that game four he was fire I remember we lost by like 20 points in Indiana that game and he was yeah he was a killer even up till then yeah fucking uh what was I gonna say and the other thing like he made the league really entertaining that much more entertaining and I didn't hold a lot of weight into that until I watched Trey Young this past year in the garden Mm-hmm. And I was like, "This is what it was like," because yeah, I was yeah. free when I when that when Reggie did it, and I was like, "This is as close as it it can get to being that moment." And I think that matters because that was a huge thing in the nineties. Was I Reggie. will say this that has, that has to matter. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Sorry to talk over your dairy. No, you got no, 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 you got to keep up. Um, I was going to say for Reggie, that has to matter. 
because again, he might be like, if I made my own list of 75 greatest players, we're not keeping the original 50. Yeah. uh, Just a whole new brand new list based Mm -hmm. on however I want to rank him. I might put him in my top 75, but based on the formula that the 50 greatest players kind of set uh, in, in the, that's kind of what I'm going off of is not only do they have to be great, not only do they have to be impactful, but like hardware proven bottom line productive, which I'll get into some of the other players when I've got three on one coming at me. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's just, he's just, he just doesn't have much of that. But at the same time, I can make like a 15 minute video just going on and on praising Reggie. So I'm not going to hate on it. I mean, yeah. Reggie made my list because he has to live in the shadow of his sister, Cheryl Miller. So he deserves something. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going with my Auntie Pierce argument. You want him to have more. That's another thing too. That's another, another guy who shot himself in the foot. Like, okay, Cheryl beat you one-on-one. Why would you tell anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why would you tell anyone that? Let her say it. People would be like, okay, sure, Cheryl, sure. (laughs) But like he said it. It's like, why do you guys do this to yourself? My whole thing is he, he definitely didn't lose when he was in the league. Like he definitely lost when he was like 18. Like there's (laughs) no way she beat him when he was like walling on Michael Jordan. Like there's no way. She, huh? was, she wasn't the same player at that point. No, no, no. All that. But uh, what do you call it? The reason why he always brought it up is because, uh, in his words, he, she was kicking all of his friends' asses too. She was killing everybody. Yeah. And that was his, that's always his reasoning for talking about it still. Because he brings that up. He's like, people ask me, why, why do I talk about this? And it's like, it wasn't just me she was beating. She was beating everybody. <laughs> now, how tall was Cheryl? Does anybody have an idea? I'm not. I'm not sure how tall she was. Good question. Let's get the official stats that we just gave credibility Was that Zaria? I said you're apparently that WNBA fan. I was. Yo, <laughs> Cheryl. You know how everybody talks about like, uh, you know, that game in Monte Carlo where it's oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, the, the the Michael Jordan says the greatest game nobody ever saw. The dream team scrimmage where they're just going against each other, and everybody wants to see that game. I just want to see footage of that game. No, I want to see Cheryl Miller, Reggie Miller, one-on-one. I want to know what actually happened. I want the context. That's what I want to see. That's- I want to see Cheryl. I want to see Cheryl making Reggie cry. That's what I need. Because if she beat him legit, legitly, oh, dude, I- I'm making content for, 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 for months on that. Like, I'm definitely I am ready. Adding gasoline to my fire. Yeah. How good was Cheryl Miller really? <laughs> really good <laughs> like i can see it already that's amazing you have you get her playground stats <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude that'd be fire all right we get to move to the 2v2s yeah yeah so i was very surprised that like i didn't have anybody that like wasn't on other people's list so like kind of like a a fraud or something <laughs> i'm ashamed of myself i should have yeah. been more i should pick somebody to yeah. i was totally ready all right, where do we want to start? Uh, let's do. I want to hear Jason Kidd because I always hate on Jason Kidd, and well, I, wanna, I, I he's another guy, probably within seventy-five to eighty for me. Explain but your I, hate. I want to hear the hate. Don't, he's I don't like the era in which he really took over. That was one of the weakest Eastern Conference, like especially in terms of wins and losses, like. Some of the weakest Eastern Conference teams you're going to see, especially Definitely. if we go into this. Nowadays, the Eastern Conference it's it's way more equal. The mm-hmm. last 
10 years, it's been West way more dominant. And it, pretty actually, even further than that, like we were just looking at, or I was looking at the 2001 season when you guys were talking about Paul Pierce, just to make sure I wasn't bugging out. And it's a slow pace. It's a really slow pace. And you're not, I don't know. I'm just not, there's so much about this era that when we're talking about not playoff stuff, there's, it, it's very, I'm very like, yeah, all right. I'm very okay, dismissive of it. But let me give you this. Why. If it's a slow pace, why is he getting so many triple doubles? I'm not saying it's not a slow pace. I'm saying he's getting all those numbers, all those triple doubles, everything he's doing while playing in that era. I mean, that's pretty he's nice. Four, he's one of only four players to have 100 plus triple doubles. But, uh, and fun, but, fun but, fact. Okay. Fun fact. I He has... I checked. I have to check my fact video again to be sure. But he has five games, I believe, mm-hmm. um, with that are triple doubles with zero turnovers. That's easily the most in NBA history. Yeah. How uh, many? I wonder how many of his triple doubles are like eleven, eleven and ten. Like, does he just, just right makes it? And um, and that's when we're talking about how wait, impressive his triple doubles are. Yeah. How many? How many players on that triple double list are also? A top defender at their position. He did age really well too, because like, like to completely change his game and become a reliable three point shooter towards the end to have yeah. an impact on the Mavericks, you know, later mm-hmm. on. And um, like he aged well. And one other thing I'll put too is like, I understand that Western Eastern conference was weak then, but there's mm-hmm. no question that he was the reason the New Jersey Nets made it to the finals that year. Yeah. And something that made a huge impression on me, yeah. is watching Jason Kidd. Now, he's older at this point. He's not as prime. But watching mm-hmm. Jason Kidd on the Redeem team. Dude, okay. like, if you look at, like, how him and LeBron were together, it was yeah. magic. It was so beautiful. Like, the law passes, the outlet passes, the transition, the no-look passes. It's like, just to, like, like, he made, like, Vince Carter had one of his best seasons statistically right after he joined Jason Kidd. And, like, if you put Jason Kidd with a guy like that, LeBron, oh, my gosh. Because that was a trade rumor for a while. So, again, he, he they did win a lot in a weak Eastern Conference. But I'm also thinking, like, man, he could have even been one even more if you just put him in the right situation. Yeah, and he, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Did, did he get to um, two NBA Finals or three? I can't remember. He made it in – he made, he made it, it in, in 20, 2002 – yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then I know he obviously the 2011. Like I can't, I feel like there's one in the middle. That he, yeah, that, yeah. Is it 2003? Yeah, it's 2003 against the Spurs. Oh, that's yeah. right, because that's the that's the the year that Tim Duncan just went off, and yeah. uh, so he went had, to, a, had a almost had a quadruple double. Probably should have in Game Six. Yeah, that was yeah. That. We talked about that when we were looking at Giannis's whether it was the best Game Six ever. Yeah, looked at that Tim Duncan series. Yeah, but yeah, so, I just felt like every time he had a chance to really, you know, solidify himself, he always went in uh, up against a better player, and it just was like that. Uh, it that made it hard for me. Like whenever the, whenever he was the main guy, he would run into a Duncan or a Shaq or a Kobe, and at some point, if you want to be considered like, and that's what makes me shit on him. It's like yeah, at some point, you gotta be you gotta beat him once. Like yeah, that, but the whole thing nah. is at some point to, to be the that's, that's what makes those guys up the upper echelon is that 
they're they did win those games. How upper echelon? Because again, yeah, we're, talking, we're, we're talking about we're not talking about the the first ten to go in. We're not even talking sure. about the first fifteen to go in. We're talking about the twenty five. So it's yeah. like, who's the guy you would swap out and put in instead of kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, like, the guy's a pure point guard. Pure point guards have to, by nature, have other great players around them if they're yeah. going to win a championship. Yeah. And look at who he had when they were getting to the finals. Like, Kenyon Martin, you know, sure. Richard Jefferson. I'm not going to crap on these guys and say they're terrible players, but am I going to say, like, with certainty that Jason Kidd made them better? Oh, hell yeah. He made yeah. them way better. Yeah. Say it's a it's do you think here's a fun here's a fun question because Jason Kidd was a son at a certain point, but not in the era in which I'm talking about, but he was on Phoenix. Yep. Uh, and I think of him and Steve Nash together often. If you put Jason Kidd on that run and gun sons team, do they have more success with Steve Nash? Or, or with Jason Kidd, excuse me. Do you think they have more success with Jason Kidd on the, those Mike D'Antoni sons than Steve Nash did? I'm curious. I don't think so. Because he plays better defense than Nash, right? The only thing that he really doesn't do as good as Steve Nash is shoot the ball at that point, right? Yeah. But you don't think so. Why? Because the the whole the whole point of his the the system was not about deep. Their defense was their offense. So right. they it was it was being able to score immediately. Yeah. And um, because Steve Nash being a more versatile defender, I mean, off, um, offensive player, um, that gives the that opens up the the just everything. Like, well, how much more versatile is he though than Jason Kidd? Besides the shooting, that's all I'm saying. Like, how much? What's the difference besides elite? Because Steve Nash, one of the most underrated shooters, in my opinion, he's super underrated as a shooter. 50, yeah. 40, 90 seasons out the ass, etc. Like that's all. I, that's all I'm saying. I don't think it would be much better just because I, I think I don't know. I think Steve Nash is a better driver of the car, but that's a hot take. Maybe I'm not sure. It's my I, my opinion. I, I think it's. I think Phoenix with Nash is significantly better, partially because of fit. Sure. Uh, Nash was a better shooter, and with yeah. their seven seconds or less offense, yeah. one thing he was incredible incredible uh, at, and he did actually quite often was transition threes. Yeah. It was so common for him to dribble the ball up, hit the three-point yeah. line right on the shoulder, and just go bam, and yeah. he just make it. And and that also changes up the defense because now if they have to expect that from a point guard, they got to play up on him. You can't yeah. sag off of this guy. If Steve Nat, I mean Jason Kidd, shooting thirty-nine percent from the entire field, you know, and and uh, sorry, Jason Kidd is, but yeah. Nash is shooting forty-two percent from the th- three-point line. Like yeah. that totally changes the way the defense could play them. So now they got to play up on him. Yeah. You know, which is like going to affect everyone. He's going to be able to kick the guys. It's just, it affects everything. I think it's a fit thing. But in other situations, I would rather have kid. Yeah. Ash. Yeah. I think it just depends. So, yeah. Like, like, would you, wouldn't you say if kid was, if Nash was on that 2002 team, do you think he'd be, he'd do, but he, um, they would be just as good with Nash That's over kid? I, I don't think so. I'm not, I don't know because there were also, we're going to talk about fit. At least the reason why I thought of that specifically is because at least with kid, you could make up some of that shooting deficiency with the other guys around him who could score. Cause you were talking about if he had different guys around him would have been on the, on the nets, you got a little bit more defense behind you. That helps Steve Nash. You can't do that. Right. So now Nash is taking what he brings 
to the offense, making their offense a little better, maybe it is a different story. That's all I'm saying. I just think I, I couldn't, it's a, for me, I always have Nash over kid and that's my, that's what breaks it down for me. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, but I always like hearing the different stories. I have a Nets fan who is one of my best friends who tells me constantly that I'm an asshole about Jason. Kidd. Yeah. <laughs> but, it just drives me nuts. To add to kid versus Nash. My only thing is kid. When you build the team around them, he could get you to it to the finals. Steve Nash couldn't like, and, and I, I think that, you ever heard of Robert Sarver? He's a fucking asshole. I hate that. Well, I'll, well, how about Robert Ori? You know, and the and the league being paranoid about the malice of the palace because remember the hip check. Oh, I was I was like, hit, Robert Ory. <laughs> so Robert Ory hip checks Steve Nash. Yeah, and because the league was so freaking paranoid about the malice of the palace, Amari Stoudemire barely leaves the bench. Boris Diaw barely leaves the oh, bench. They yeah. suspends both guys. They yep. lose the next game. The series is done. Yeah, and yeah. it's like you could argue that that team should have been to the finals that year. And because the West was stronger than the, than the East at that point, I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion that if they get past the Spurs, they're winning that championship. Yeah. And so even well, that, that, you're like splitting hairs when you're like, oh, he was never able to get it done. Well, maybe he should have been able to get it done. Maybe he would have been if the league wasn't just, you know, being all paranoid. But the, my, my whole thing is doing it, getting there three times. There's not a lot of people that you can name that's got it. wasn't there. always... The only one of them I'd put all on kid. Well, maybe two of them, but one of the like the Mavs one, I'm giving kid like a low not the majority. He was a poor focal point of that Mavs team. Like it was also if you're gonna if you're gonna use that, like he made it to the finals three times. Well, do we factor in one's playing in a stacked West and one's playing in a weak East? I mean, you gotta factor that in too, right? Yeah, kind of what my head was that. That's where well, my, my whole thing is. I'm just arguing for kids' sake. Why are you arguing <laughs> against? The, like we, the guys that argue for kid, what are we doing? <laughs> now I do no, 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 no. I was arguing for kid being in, but that doesn't mean he's got to be better than Steve Nash. I have. Nash ahead of kid. <laughs> you I do have. I do have Nash ahead of kid. Kid's yeah. a better defensive player. He's definitely not as efficient of a score. Um, at all i mean passing skills they're basically they're the chip off the same block they're that's same where my block. head's at yeah but but like nash's efficiency the way he could play in the game today dude from like 2003 to 2013 over that 10 year stretch steve nash has 50 40 90 percentages now only nine players in nba history have had a season where they had 50 40 90 yeah. numbers so that tells you how rare it is only nine players all time nash did it over a decade straight Bonkers. that yeah. that's that's one of the nash, most efficient, yeah, nash, efficient nash. offensive players of all time what's bonkers that's, to me is that i feel like we're having a conversation with like basketball encyclopedia at the moment you're just like <laughs> pulling shit you're like over these random years he was the only person <laughs> to do this and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> okay. Um, I don't. I don't get outside enough. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like. I don't know if you know this. This is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Um. All right. Who's next? Who's next? Hit me with someone else. We got, I really we, wanted we, to hear the kid uh, stuff because I, I, I am always low on kid. Who's, I feel like Manu is probably one we have to explain. Manu's Manu. I love Manu because he's one of those players that's like. Like, I want to make a video about the players who are, like, the most difficult-to-rank players of all time. Because, like, Bill Russell would be one of them. 
Yeah. Like, dude won all the time. Great defensive player, great rebounder, mediocre at best offensive player. Yeah. Scotty Pippen, you know, great defensive player, I somewhat think- limited offensive player, was under Michael Jordan's shadow during all their championships with Bulls. Sure. Bonham Ginobili, incredibly talented player, very skilled, most of the time was a sixth man. And everybody who's like, he's so freaking amazing. He's one of the greatest players of all time. They always act like we saw him as a starter with heavy minutes. And it's like, right. that's not what he was. He was basically like one of the greatest six men ever. So does that put him in the next 25? It's like... <laughs> and the, the thing with Manu for me, I really, I truly do believe this. I feel like he was James Harden before James Harden. I feel See, like... That's insane to me. Like... James Harden? Look at James Harden's game. It's literally like he he got a lot of his game from Mono. That's if you mean, okay, okay. If you mean from a play style standpoint and yeah. like not necessarily like production, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like just with, with the yeah. with their footwork and their handle and everything. Oh yeah, they're they're the, very similar. And, and the thing with Mono is he just didn't have the opportunity. I feel like if he would have been a player, let's say he goes to the Spurs and leaves after a while. And, and pro- same thing that Harden had. Because remember, we didn't see Harden until he left um, OKC. Once Harden left OKC, because at first we were like, oh, he's a really great six man. Once he went from OKC to Houston, and we no one expected Harden to become what he what he became. Like that, mm-hmm. at least at the time when I was when I was watching basketball, I did not expect James Harden to average 25-5. I didn't expect him to be a superstar. I thought he was going to be a good player, but not a superstar. But here's the thing, Dario. Like, as much as I think what you're saying is a great, great point, can we credit a player on what he might have been in the right situation, but we haven't seen it? You no, know, it's like that's that's tough. I don't know if I could go no, that. And, and I agree with that, but but this is where this is where I, I talk about his playoff production. What he did in the in big moments, the big shots he hits, the big plays he hit may, did at certain times of his career, like that to me is what then brings him over the top. Because he he had multiple opportunities with the Spurs to go to finals, go, and he showed up in those moments. And he was a core reason Tim Duncan won those championships. And, and A lot um, of people think he should have been the finals MVP in 07. Yeah. So, and true. That was big. Whenever there's a sweep involved, literally the finals MVP is up for grabs. Like, look at Kawhi's final MVP in, in 2014. I always talk about this. He won finals MVP, but literally anybody could have won finals MVP. You could argue Tony Parker could have. You could argue Mono could have. You could have, you could have argued anybody in that in that finals. I just think sweeps are usually like, this is a dog walking, so let's just pick whoever was the best guy holding the leash. Like 2014, <laughs> 2014 wasn't a sweep, though, right? Yeah, it wasn't a sweep oh, in the no. finals. No. No. It just felt like, oh, sorry, my bad. It was, it, but it, it was like one pretty much a sweet. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, my bad. That, that was the. That was the. They were. They lost every game. The Spurs won was by twenty or more, and I think they. The okay. only Heat won was like by two points or something like that. So like, anytime, anytime there's a beat down, we'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I think he's eighth all time in total playoff games. I got to check that, but I think he's. I think he's eighth all time in playoff games. There's not many people that have played at uh, over 200 playoff games. He's constantly in the playoffs when he did play, and I think that matters. Like, I think it matters that even though he was on a good team, you still have to have a certain level of performance. And he was a critical piece to like the Spurs don't don't have this total reign of dominance that they had 
where they were in the hunt for the title every single year, no matter whether people talked about him or not, without this man. Especially when he's coming off the he's coming off the bench. He's given you I mean he's play he starts a couple of games here, but still twenty points a game off the bench is crazy. Uh in like his in his apex year, no pun intended. And I just think I don't know. He's one again, entertainment to the game. I thought about that. That obviously factored into my list a lot is how much entertainment value you brought to the game. And now, he's picked no, him and who I, I don't I don't value that at all. Like yeah, <laughs> my list yeah. would have changed a lot if I had yeah. factored. It mattered. That. It mattered to me. It definitely so it, I, it also the context too for me. I didn't take Manu. This is a two on two, right? So who yeah. else didn't take Manu? So I didn't have Manu either, and it was basically on the premise of that like I found him entertaining, but he wasn't really ever a starter and it just like it all just kind of ended up looking lackluster compared to everybody else. He's got one bat killed more than anybody else in the history of the game. I was waiting for somebody to say it. Thank you. He murdered a bat with his bare hands. We're not about to act like this ain't true. From 2006 (laughs) to 2011. This is your guys' argument? This is the hill you're going to die on? Bat killer? It could sway me. I was waiting for somebody to say it. I was like, somebody's got to mention the bat. Otherwise, I will never say yes. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. Lindsay, what are these straw man arguments here? Like, (laughs) 2007 to 2011, we cannot say Manu Ginobili wasn't a top five shooting guard in the league. Name him. Kobe? Wade? What? Maybe Monte Ellis? Manu's in there. Mono yes, is one, he, he just didn't have that. Look, he averaged 20 points a game off how many he was, he was playing 30, what, 31 minutes a game. Like he was barely a starter that year. And it, he, I'm sure he was coming off bench and he was just playing some starter minutes pretty much. But Mono was 100 percent a top five player in that. League. I mean, top five shooting guard in the league at that point. I just feel like the six man stigma is kind of like holding him back. It definitely holds him back for me. It definitely holds him back for me because I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's any. He was the third best man. I don't know if there's any regular six man to be honest that I could argue being this list. That's just too much. Like if he's not a regular starter, I just. But he wasn't. He wasn't a starter because because he played. He played like it worked for the team. He was easily the third best player on the team. Oh, I have a question. So if we were like 25 years from now, if we were going to do like the 100, the next 25, arguably one of the greatest six men ever, Jamal Crawford, would he be on your list, Dario? Absolutely not. If you okay. want some more. But he, he didn't, but the whole thing with Jamal Crawford versus Mono mm-hmm. is he didn't have, what Mono did in big moments, like was way more significant. Like Mono, like Russell said, he has the eighth most ga- playoff games in NBA history like that he played in the in the biggest moments at the biggest times and made some of the biggest plays like do are we not gonna act like, like remember the Warriors when when he fucked up uh, and pop acted like it was pissed about it and then he he, co- he comes back and hits the game winning three to end the, he did shit like that he blocked James Harden to to end the game like for sure I remember these things because Manu is fucking nice. Like we're not about to act like he wasn't a top five. And this is, yeah, but we're talking about the best of the best of the best. Yeah, so exactly. we're not, nobody here is saying that he isn't great. Okay, yeah. it's just is he greater than these other guys? And if you look you, at each guy on my list, I could so argue against Manu in that way. Now I will say this: Lindsay asked if Jamal Crawford makes him my tw- top 
in in the top 100? My answer is hell no. But <laughs> if I was using if I was using your guys's logic in the terms of it's entertainment, dude is one of the greatest ball handlers of all time. I love watching him cross up and what he could do with the basketball. Those yeah. ridiculous shots that he's making that he has absolutely no business making. It's like, <laughs> dude was box office, yeah, man. Yeah. Dude was so entertaining. So again, I'm just saying, if I'm I just think your he logic, has, I could put him in the list. How I many? <laughs> I did not make up this. This. How many career six men do you have above Ginobili? Like all time, let's say. Because oh, I, I think Hav- I think Havlicek is in that top five all time for six men. Like, because he, even though he got starting time in the 70s, in the 60s, he that was his job. He was the six man. He kind of invented that that deal. Then if I'm gonna put a guy ahead of them, he's gotta be he's gotta be a full time six man. Because I could argue Kevin McHale, you know, but Kevin yeah, McHale true. just true. wasn't doing it most of his career. Eventually, became yeah. a starter. So it's like half and half, you know. Yeah. And so it's like if I'm gonna put somebody ahead of Ginobili, he's gotta be full time. But that's a good point. I mean, I yeah. could argue that he's that he's one of the top two, three six men of all time I, again it's just whether or not i feel good putting six men and hey, we're seven. talking football well, they're like that each position is important in my opinion especially when we're talking about the closer we get into the current day there's more depth there's more players that are coming off the bench being valuable to your team that mean more to a particular championship for example mm-hmm. and i think i just think you can't it goes dario you were talking about not being able to tell the story of the league. I don't know if you can tell it without the Spurs and specifically what Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker did. And, yeah, Pop- and that, that was my main thing. Like, you have, there was a decade of dominance between the, arguably a decade and a half of dominance between that Spurs team. And he was a core part of it. You can't, like, to me, you can't ignore Mono. But, but another thing, like, when it, when we're talking about six, I know we, like, are looking at six men as not, not really that, I guess, high up, whatever. But if you look at any championship team or any team who's went to the finals, typically six man of the year is probably in that in in one of those teams. I'm or pretty sure. Or That's can't. a great point. It's a Bench great, man. great point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and I th- so I, I really do think I understand where you're coming from, though, because when you're looking at it as – superstars like because these guys are superstars who we're, who we're talking about now we're talking about a guy who is a six man of the year that, but like my whole thing is some guys are superstars like carmelo anthony but <laughs> they didn't play big in the biggest moments it's different when you got a guy that you bring into that big moment and they played to the but but you could get to your did, did, part. did you just, just say did you wait did you just say carmelo didn't play big in the biggest moments <laughs> Save it! Save it! Save it! All right, all right, all right. You've been throwing a little bit of jazz, man. I gotta give me the little swings back, man. I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised by the comment. You can you can make all the jabs you want. I'm surprised. Ask Russell. Carmelo was one of my favorite players in back in 2009. You know, but things happen. Drugs are cocaine's a hell of a drug. That's all I can say about that. But. Damn, you got me sidetracked now. I was going to say something fun about Ginobili. Now it's gone. We're moving on. My bad. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, who's next? Let's do... We got to do Vince Carter. Wait, let's do Vince Carter. The number one reason... And, Johnny, I know you're going to love this. I'm sure you're going to love this reasoning. Are you ready? The number yeah. one reason why Vince Carter is on my list above all else 
is because he's been a guest on our show for pretty much every fucking episode we've ever done. <laughs> he has been in the background. The dunk around the world. It's a beautiful background. One of my five favorite plays ever. Now, we're getting pretty far into it. Let me give clarification real quick on how my list works. Yeah. If you notice, now we're just adding 25 to the original 50. Yeah. If you notice on my list, there are very few guys that I went back retroactively before in 1997, and I kept those guys in. Yeah. Because basically, I'm like, whatever happened with the original 50 that they selected, I just kind of have to live with. I don't want to screw over modern players because they screwed up with so many players before, you know? And so if I was to make my top 75 list, you know, um, differently, I'm not sure if I would have Vince Carter as high, but based Mm -hmm. on the fact that I'm basically picking from guys like late nineties on, Mm -hmm. I I think that's why he's able to make it in this list. But yeah. Cause I was very curious. I, we we were just doing this on a previous episode that, that came out not that long ago. So I want to ask you, Johnny, out of the big four shooting guards of the early 2000s, right? AI, Vince, Kobe, and T Mac. How do you how do you rank them? In your opinion? Forget like for you, however you want to. You just talking about you just talking about their like when they were at their best. At yeah. Well, who had the who yeah, had you, the great like. Forget the like from a skill set standpoint, in my opinion. Like, or, Kobe T Mac, Kobe T Mac, AI Carter. Yeah, you so yeah. you have, have T Mac over Allen Iverson. Yeah, but but again, that's why I'm asking that question. Is yeah. um, T Max was so short lived? Sure. Like when you talk about o two o three when he was on Orlando, I mean the dude was arguably the best player in the in the NBA. I remember people having that argument with me that he's better than Kobe. Now I. Yeah picked kobe it might be could be because i was looking at kobe with rose tinted glasses i don't know but i mean that was an argument but it was a short-lived argument because even when he was with the rockets like just joined the rockets a lot of those injuries and stuff started to creep up but i mean he was bigger longer had all the skills could score like no one else and he was he wasn't a great defensive player like kobe but he was decent you know so i don't know how many mid-range shooters outside of like off the top of my head kobe and mj and Kevin Durant, T Mac's in that conversation for one of the best mid range shooters I've ever Lindsay seen. Lindsay would yeah. say Chris Paul, too. Don't, don't forget that. Yeah, Chris I mean, Paul we're, is ta- a great we're talking mid-range. very few. Yeah. <laughs> we're just talking ve- very, very much like their mid-range. select few best seasons. Um, if, if you want a more broad perspective on it, um, it's again, it just didn't last as long. So that's where it gets yeah. kind of iffy. But yeah. yeah. It's funny because I try, I try to hold, I try not to hold longevity as the most valuable thing that I use to differentiate these guys. But it does, it does matter that he played 22 years. That's hard. Yes. <laughs> like that's, I don't know if you know this, that's not easy to do at all. Yeah. And he aged beautifully too. Like, he went, he went you know, cause every stage mm-hmm. of, a, yeah. of a career you can go through, he did it all. But this is my thing. And because we have to be very nitpicky, like you, so you're saying he he went through every stage, but I feel like he didn't he didn't um fully take advantage. Like it, so it like being the great best player on the team. Like if he was, if you're the best player of the team, you'd hope that you'd be an MVP. And for instance, if you're gonna be the a six man on the team, you'd hope that you'd win the, the uh, six man of the year. Like that's like how I felt about Jason Kidd. 
dude, so I get it. Yeah, so like you didn't completely thrive like with what you what you had. Like he played, he had a good career, but I feel like he was it was like always like he like he never got to that full potential and it wasn't because of injury or anything like t-mac you could blame it because of, like because of his injury obviously here like he just never got to that point and there's not even there's not really a reason for it okay so his best years were in toronto sure. uh, obviously and uh for the most part i mean he has yeah, like one year in, one year in like new like jersey best. one or two yeah. year in new jersey but for the most part what we remember is athletic peak and all that was toronto oh, yeah. Yeah. and uh so who did he have to play with in toronto Again, well, he was in the Easter Conference. He he missed that one shot in Game Seven. If that he, shot goes down, they beat the 76ers. Maybe they're going in the NBA Finals, and he gets that AI moment against the Lakers. You know, in two thousand and one, maybe. But again, who did he have? Because I'm going to use Kobe against you, uh, Dario. Because like Kobe said, if T Mac and Vince Carter had stuck together, they would have won championships. And again, it like this. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know with Kobe. I mean, he used plural championships. And my point there is that Vince Carter, like, he didn't have the most support, but he was a legitimate superstar because I remember for a while it was Kobe, it was Vince. And I remember the hype was all Vince. They were oh, saying that he was the next Jordan for a little bit. I still, I still have my Beckett price guys for trading cards where Vince Carter's cards are worth slightly more than Kobe Bryant's. And I thought it was crap back then, but I'm telling you, that was kind of the state of the NBA in the early 2000s for a little bit. So. There's this documentary on Netflix that talks about that real well. That talks about like Vince Carter just being the most overhuman in all, in all of the NBA. Easily the most popular player. That dunk contest just put him on the map. Then, like, absolutely then, on the map. I'll put Toronto on the map, too. I mean, True. they were a new franchise, and all of a sudden it was Air Canada. Because, and that uh, was another thing I didn't talk about with Reggie Miller, but I, I, it is definitely something I factored in, uh, is the, the carrying of a franchise that maybe somebody before you didn't do. Or, sure. like, when you, when you can be a marquee superstar – for one place, well, in Reggie's case, for a long time, Vince is not so much, but it, it definitely it holds weight. It does. Sure. Uh, sure. And and so to go back to that point with the Vince Carter and T Mac thing, I could see where Kobe is coming from because if they would have really stood together, like you could argue in that middle two thousand slot, they could have maybe they could have stole some some championships from the Spurs or or the Heat or I don't know, you know yeah yeah so. I could see that, but like they weren't touching the the Kobe Shack. Like, and my whole thing, <laughs> but like, like we know they're not touching them. But Kobe, the 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 thing with Kobe is he then had his second opportunity with what a Paul Gasol. Like, you could argue, like, did Vince Carter never have a player as like good as Paul Gasol as his teammate? Yeah, Dwight Howard for a cup of coffee, and you know, depends on how you feel about Jason Kidd. I mean, well, he never had a player as good as Shaq. I mean, he never had a player as good as Shaq, and Kobe got yeah. his first three rings off of Shaq when Carter was at his best. Yeah. I mean, does Carter win a championship if he has if he has Shaq in two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two? Oh you my wanna know God! What, you want to know, know what's the difference? You want to know what's the difference between saying that about Kobe? You could argue Kobe's greatest year was in two thousand nine or two thousand one. Like there's a ten year gap of greatness that you you can argue. Like it's not. I'm not Kobe saying he's equal to Kobe. 
I'm not. I'm not saying he's evil. Know, Kobe. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying he didn't have the right supporting cast to be a serious perennial title contender. Now he didn't last as long as a superstar, and you could even tell. I mean, not many people say this. I feel like he started getting kind of fat, you know, after New Jersey. Like he just didn't stay. Like he didn't he got a little thicker. Right? Yeah, yeah. He got he got a little thicker, and like he kept some of that like God given athleticism. But like I was like he like Kobe stayed toned, and that's one thing about like Kobe, LeBron, MJ. It's like every season Four. they're like working on their body in such a way where it's like this year I've slimmed down 15 pounds. This year I like broaden my shoulders because I'm taking on X, Y, and Z. You know, like they do yeah. stuff like that. It's like Carter had his first five years, and then yeah, he just started putting on some baby fat. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Best in-game dunker you've ever seen. Do you guys agree with that? It's Vince or no? Because I like hearing the different names. Who do you got? Who you got, Johnny? You look. You gave me a look immediately when I said that. <laughs> I have three guys that have always been nearly impossible for me to rank. Okay. Um, I think he's the. I think that one dunk contest was the greatest. That that windmill, one eighty, and then roaring at the sky at his on his descent. It's just <laughs> like what a showman. So beautiful. Like yeah. Oh, but end game dunker. It's either Vince. It's either Dominique Wilkins, or Sean Kemp, like really? those you old Sean Kemp, like that. Really, Sean, Sean Kemp was oh my gosh, but it was a different kind. Like Dominique Wilkins, and uh, well, Vince Carter was flashy. Yeah, like for the most part, flashy mm-hmm. dunks. Dominique was a combination of flashy and power, while Sean Kemp was just power. Yeah, Sean Kemp was just yeah. pissed off at the rim, like it owed him money, like all the time. <laughs> And so it, it, they're they're each different, but I mean they but all of them at their at their best they were doing stuff that was just like oh, like every night like all the time. It's funny you brought up uh it's funny you brought up baby fat with Vince Carter and then brought up Sean Kemp two seconds later. Oh my, that's not that's not baby fat. That's 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 fat fat. That's something else. Poor poor Sean. That's yeah yeah. He liked he liked food a little too much. Yeah. yeah. Right. Who? How, what are we gonna do? What we got left? Let's do. Darren okay. Lindsay had Tony Parker, right? Yeah, it, he he fought, and I'm surprised you had Manu and not Parker. I feel like Parker. That's where the that's where the entertainment little. value and stuff gets over. Yeah. Where Tony Parker, I'm not. And you see, the the thing with Tony Parker is he was actually like you could argue he was like an MVP caliber player towards like that that last. What two from 2007 probably to 2014? That was like their main, probably not 2007, maybe more like 2009 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, he won a finals MVP. He um, he definitely was a huge reason for the four championships. Um, sure. And he was for sure at the time he was a top five point guard in the league from from for that span. One hundred percent, Tony Parker was a top five point guard in the league. You could you could argue for a while he was like third. Name him. Okay. Name it was Chris Paul. What was the window again? Yeah. Huh? What was the window of years again you gave? I think it was like 2009-ish from like 2014. Okay. So we're talking. Keep going. I want to hear him. I want to hear the names. Chris Paul. Uh-huh. Darren Williams. Yep. You had um Around that time was Nash. Eric Rose got to be in that conversation. He won MVP during that time. Yeah, but he was. That was one of the years. 
That's literally his peak, though. Is within those years you name is he was drafted and then he what got- he was only like he was only there for like a year or two. Like I'm putting Derrick Rose in that top five for the window you gave. Um, I disagree. Well, Tony Park is definitely in there. Also, um, a different kind of point guard, so that's kind of tough. Yeah. But. Um, damn, you're making me go all the way back. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one name, but it's only in the second half. But like, can't forget about Rondo. Rondo was yeah. nice. like yes, Rondo, 20, Rondo 2012 to 2014. Like that dude was nuts. And you look up yeah. some of those stat lines he put up in the playoffs. Like oh, he was God. arguably the best player some postseasons for the Celtics, and they yeah, were talking oh, about yeah. big three, big three. It's like don't forget Rondo, man. He was yeah, nuts. That, that is a fact. Hey, it's Franklin. <laughs> I was like, what? And they hear you singing? <laughs> yep. Okay, that's good because I was like me just randomly pausing in the. Um, I have to, you're, you're getting you're getting towards the end there. That's 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 yeah. pretty good. But my whole thing yeah. is, I think he's more so in the middle of that than the than the end. Yeah, I don't. I definitely don't. Tony Parker, <laughs> Tony Parker's teardrop at that time was like le- literally lethal. Did you, you say Tony Nash? Was? Nash is still in yeah, there. Yeah, too. Nash, Nash, was, Nash, was, yeah. Nash was one of them. It was it, the top two were 100 percent Chris Paul and Darren Williams at that time. Yes. Um, Steve Nash was up there, but I think he, it's towards his end. So Derrick Rose won an MVP in this period of time. It matters. Got to throw him in there. Literally, he was for the Derrick Rose career. I, like I'm not even trying to be like a hater. Like he was literally not that good. I Derrick. can I can see Dario's case for three. Yeah, I, I can I can I can Tony actually Parker see it. A legit, the whole thing is he was behind Tim Duncan, so it just makes it look like he's not as great as he was, and he's in Pop's system. Tony Parker was 100% a top five point guard in the league. He's not like he was, he, all right. Top so, five. I would say he's top five for sure. Uh, I was even, five, but I'll hear you out. Like Steve, Steven Jackson says that he's Tony Parker was the reason they lost that, that championship to the heat because he wanted um, Tony Parker. During that time, Tony Parker wa- was like basically fighting for the, for the um, finals MVP. And he wanted to end, that is an actual thing that Steven Jackson has said on his – Well, it wasn't that. It wasn't that that I made the face for. I was like, oh, really? I'm glad I didn't put him on the list then. <laughs> what an asshole. Oh, Tony Parker? <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is he was that – he was he was, he was was at the time their best player in that 2013 finals. A hundred percent. Tim Duncan I just don't, I just don't know if that point – I just don't know if that it point helps. Help. I, I, I think it might have hurt you more than that's it what I'm you. saying. Yeah. <laughs> if he's the, if he's that main guy in that team and he's bringing them to the NBA Finals, that matters. Yeah. That's fair. I just think Duncan saved it for when they, he needed it most once he got older. What's like, funny? We, sorry, go ahead. I, no, but I was just going to say we saw it in Game Six, uh, the Ray Allen shot game where Duncan turned back the clock and was just a total savage. It was yeah. like it was like we're going to win the chip tonight. I am going off 100%, 100% of my old ass. And there's all that, like, Duncan was always the main guy, in my opinion, on those teams. Like, the ball the, the ball movement made them uh, able to, and the way they, dis- they distributed the ball helped, obviously, get them to that point. But I would always put Duncan as the main guy, even at a later yeah, stage. And that's why we don't, you're not looking at t- Tony. But Parker. I also just don't, I think, going back to Derrick Rose, What's the difference between Tony Parker and Derrick Rose from a skill set perspective, in my opinion? Or, or in your opinion? Better your opinion. He, he, Is he that much better of a shooter? He's not he's a great. A, Tony Parker's not a great uh-huh. shooter. Tony Parker's not an elite shooter. 
he's a he's a much better shooter than Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, that was one of the things he lacked, and he was a much more versatile player. Like Tony Parker could score from many different places on the court compared to um, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was literally his athleticism was freak. It was a freak athleticism. He's Tony Parker with hops and uh-huh. like he's Tony Parker, but faster and can bounce high. Like, I think yeah, I think the, the argument is, is peak performance versus just consistency and longevity. Because for me, it's yeah. like if you just take any single year of Derrick Rose at his best and Tony Parker at his best, Derrick Rose is killing him. Yeah, it's not like But yeah. that's what I'm saying. Over that five-year span, Tony Parker was a top. Right. I'm not saying that he was better than Derrick Rose at his MVP year. I wouldn't be that crazy. But I'm more so t- saying over – like look at – I think their games, games are more similar than different, if you're asking me, in my opinion. I think their games are way more similar than different in terms of skill set. Like take away the highlight reel dunks from Derrick Rose. They're both creative, under-the-basket finishers, a little bit of, little bit of passing, you know, like – not the greatest, not like standout defenders, but not absolute liabilities that they're getting talked about on television every day. Like their skill sets are pretty similar, in my opinion. Yeah, and but I- Derek Rose, Derek Rose is one of the most uh, explosive guards in the history sure. of basketball, yeah. and Parker's not even. Oh no, yeah, that, that's that. what I mean. So that's of, a huge gap. Outside of the massive hops, though, outside of the fact that Derek Rose and the speed, rim, yeah, like, but they're like what they're trying to do is not. They want to get as close to the basket as possible, fin- finish creatively around the rim. Right, I'm not bugging. Like, no, I I, I, I feel that. I mean, I wouldn't say like just because they kind of shoot in the same areas doesn't mean like Tony Parker. You could argue Tony Parker had an unstoppable move with the teardrop. Rose was, had, Rose had a pretty good floater in his own right. I'm not saying it was better than Tony yeah, Parker, but Tony Parker that he made it a decade long long thing. Like where Tony Rose's injuries, unfortunately. But that, but that matters. Like we're talking about top seventy-five. There's a reason Derrick Rose isn't even in the conversation, and Tony Parker is. Like, it, I think it's because Tony Parker was good enough in the regular season, and definitely made did what he had to do in the in the postseason. He he won the Finals MVP for a reason against LeBron James. That don't mean about, oh, stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> Against LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> and his, that Cleveland LeBron, team was literally LeBron like, James at 22 years old again, with his pack of scrubs. And LeBron <laughs> played like trash that NBA Finals anyway. Now, that Pistons series, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen from right. a basketball player right. ever. But in but that, that but, series against San Antonio, he was garbage. But you see, and that's why you his, can't – to me – you can't say one thing and and then the, and then not the other. You can't say LeBron James had one of the greatest series against the Pistons, and then when he loses against the Spurs, you can't go and say, "Well, he was 22 years old." And I don't know which way we're taking it. Like I personally would go, LeBron was young, all this other stuff, but you can't. It's you just can't such a it's such a weird take because it's like. Because it's like if, oh my God, like Kevin McHale, I'll tell, let me go on and on about him, or even Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish is amazing because he beat Jordan in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Like, they were Jordan was a baby. He still put up 63, like, and he had like the traveling cocaine circus. Like, what are you talking about? Like, such a weird take. I don't so know. that's not what the most <laughs> takes I've ever heard. I'm <laughs> All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's so deep, All right, anybody else in this category before we get into uh, lawyer mode? I will say one thing real quick that I noticed is yeah. I'm kind of having a weird epiphany. Okay, that like 
maybe there's some sort of subconscious bias I'm having with the Spurs. Cause I'm like the only guy who I'm the only person here who didn't pick a spur beyond That's Tim right, Duncan. Right, there's no Ginobili. There's no like all you, you all either pick Ginobili or Parker and I had pick one. I'm like, huh. Kind of interesting. Why? Why is that? I'm I'm having a big yeah, reflection Lakers, moment. The Lakers I'm, and like you were watching like hardcore around that time. The yeah, but they were also for the most part 2014, right. 14 was some of the most beautiful basketball ever. But especially in like the 2000s, mid 2000s, they were boring. Like that was the thing. <laughs> Everybody said they're boring, and I yeah. mean I kind of get it. Like from an X's and O's standpoint, I love the game of basketball. So like. I could watch, you know, any kind of basketball and enjoy it to it a certain extent. But yeah, it's just like Tim Duncan and his bank shot, and like Bruce Bowen's gonna, you know, shut you down. It's just like, yeah, it's just also, him, boring, the Lakers scoring, and the Spurs, the Lakers and the Spurs during Kobe and Shaq and so, uh, that era, they were just always whoever won that matchup was winning the championship. It felt yeah. like if, yeah. if, if you if you beat the Lakers or if the or the Lakers beat the Spurs, they were getting in the finals. And they were probably going to win the ring. That's what I'm it a, felt like for a while there. I'm going to adopt your guys' logic for this one to defend myself. It's just say the Spurs were boring. So Yeah, there you go. I mean, they weren't entertaining. So <laughs> that's why I don't have a second Spur in here. So. That's my logic. That was not my logic. It's only Russell. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. I'm going to take Russell's logic on this one. My bad. Sorry, Dario. A wrestling fan. Entertainment fucking matters. All right? <laughs> so oh, that explains everything. You're a wrestling. I hate wrestling. I can't, I can't handle that. That's, that's skidded garbage. I, I've oh. never been able to get into it oh, i'll have to sit down with you one of these days and explain it but yeah. you just heard talking basketball save yourself save yourself well you're the only john you're the only person that had bob McAdoo. he's somebody i looked at he's somebody that i've heard a million times should have been on the 50 greatest list the first year mm-hmm. but there i i feel like the, he will 100 percent be somebody that if we're just leaving it up to younger people he yes. will get totally – he played for Buffalo. Doesn't exist anymore. Like, they, they, he did have that run with the Lakers in the 80s um, or in the early 80s. But his, you know, his apex was for a Buffalo team that didn't do a whole lot. So, talk to me about it. Guys, this is, this is easy. I mean, he he led the league in scoring three straight years in a row, getting as high as 35 points a game. Uh, he has two NBA championships. He was good over a long period of time uh, because he was even impactful that many people forget for the Showtime Lakers um, coming off the bench. And so almost like that Manu Ginobili role, not play style, but more just impact coming off the bench sort of thing. Um, in the 1970s, that era was completely, completely for the most part dominated by kareem abdul jabbar like for almost a decade straight from an individual standpoint because there was tons of different champions but if you were talking about who's the best player in the game it was kareem almost every single year there was only one guy not only one guy but there was only a select few players who challenged him several years for being the best player in the game one of them was bob mcadoo I mean, the dude was absolutely incredible. He was so far ahead of his time when you look at his footwork, his mid-range game, because he's a very graceful, um, uh, artistic scoring big man, almost similar to Hakeem Olajuwon, where the way he'd free himself up and that sort of thing. He doesn't have the footwork of Hakeem. Nobody does. But, um, but yeah, he was he was efficient at what he did, considering the fact that he was only a mid-range scorer for the most part. And um, 
yeah, dude, like 35 points a game, multiple championships. If he was a modern player, he'd be in, no question. Nobody would, wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. You want to know, it's crazy. Like, well, not really, but because you can tell why I would not notice this guy. But um, I totally forgot about Bob McAdoo. I can't believe it. I'm shocked, I'm shocked and, by that. Well, so did the original 50. I, I don't know why the heck he wasn't in the original 50. He should have been. And I was thinking about the guys that like were like a bit like big talking points of not being in the original fifty, and I totally I totally forgot. but it's because I don't res- like like I said I don't really show too much respect for guys before nineteen eighty and even I, but he was in the court he was in the I can't believe I forgot about him but it's because I think of him as the sixth man for the Lakers so, sure. so and not really who and I and I should I should have looked into him a little more. But looking at his accolades and what he's done, and I would have to, I feel like he should be in off accolades alone. He should. I will say this. I will say this because I, I can. I can at least respect your stance of you kind of view older guys. I, I'm kind of interested to know where that cutoff point is. But you kind of view older guys as like they're less athletic. You know, it wasn't as competitive. That sort of thing. But mm-hmm. then there's guys where even with that logic that mindset you still would have to give them respect because they're so far ahead of their time yeah. guys like pistol pete maravich bigs like akeem elijah one um bob mcadoo from the 70s one of them i mean just how skillful like just watch some of his compilations and stuff you can watch my 70s video about 70s mvps yeah. like the dude could play today and he played the center position like he was a wing like he's so so talented so skilled so so just so my my thought process is pretty much anything before the '80s, and I feel like it's because the the NBA and the ABA were competing, and I feel mm-hmm. like that really you weren't able to go against the best of the best because some of the best weren't playing against you, and that hinders some of the play. And it's not their fault, but it but to me it hinders some of them because we don't know what you truly would have been going against this guy. Like and that, that's just how I look at. It. I'm very big on like competition in the 80s that all changed and then i mean sure you had dynasties like the celtics lakers um 76ers and and detroit but you still went against the best of the best and a lot so that that's that's the way i think of it maybe it's not as logical but um that's just kind of my thought process but i i offer just accolades alone i would probably have to take out somebody from my list for bob mcadoo this is, I don't hate, obviously I don't hate that Bob McAdoo is on the list, but it's, yeah, it comes back to like, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Akeem Olajuwon win an MVP in the 70s on a losing team? Did that happen? That happened, didn't it? Hakeem Olajuwon? No. Yeah. Not a, a, wow. No. You might want to edit that because no, no, he, yeah, like, <laughs> he, he was drafted in like he was drafted in like nineteen eighty. He was the same draft as MJ, bro. I'm gonna Yo, the, okay. the funniest. No, no, no. You're thinking. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're Kareem. not as far off. You're not that far off because you're thinking Kareem. Yeah, I am. I'm positive. Well, okay, well, okay, said, okay, okay, okay. You're not that bad. Okay. Yeah, he, you you said Hakeem, <laughs> so and in my head, so I'm so like, funny. I'm like, did he just say Hakeem? And I was like, I said it without. Yes, there was no way I was wrong. There You're cool. Me. You're cool. We'll keep it. Let's roll it. Keep it in. Future <laughs> Russell, don't edit that out. Don't You're edit. good. You're good. <laughs> you just, you don't just future Russell. <laughs> you just, it's, it's Hakeem, Kareem. It's, it makes sense why you mix it up. 
Um, yeah, he was on a losing team. They were 40 and 42, the Lakers, and I believe it was 1976. I believe yeah. he won the MVP while being on the losing team. And that's Around another reason why that's, that's a different story. Between the ABA diluting the talent to an extent, between everybody's traveling cocaine circus from the, from the 70s, uh-huh. it is so hard to justify what it's so hard to put in the right context what exactly he did in my opinion yeah yeah, but we're not taking a bunch of guys from the 70s like in order for me not to put in bob mcadoo i would have to say the the 70s were so bad competitively its cocaine issue was so bad that i'm just going to ignore it completely like that's what it would have to be for me to not put bob mcadoo in because like from a talent standpoint how much he scored Mm -hmm. how much he won how he challenged who some people consider the greatest center, even some people, a smaller demographic, the greatest player of all time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Like, right. he, he challenged him like for a small period of time. Like, come on, he's, he's got to be in there. And we, and we also can't talk about Ginobili and not – like he did it He did it on – like he's really a player that did it on all levels. Like yeah. now I'm, I'm arguing for a guy I didn't even pick, but he <laughs> – MVP, scoring titles – and he was he a six man of the year too? I'm just persuasive, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I truly didn't even. I, I should have looked into. I feel so disrespectful that I didn't even look into. Uh, it. No, it's good, dude. You're young, and I'm weird, so I, I know was these things. Only like yeah, four yeah. years older than me. Yeah, yeah. It's not that much. Well, that's what I said. I didn't say I wasn't young. I said you're young, and I'm weird, so it's okay. Like you know, no, I like I can learn like, something I new today. Totally, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> okay so now you now you respect bob mcadoo cool. yeah, now you know things now you know about now you know about the buffalo breaks fucking all right now I pick who i'm taking out of my list i want to talk to you guys about andre Goodell because yeah well, you i knew to- that this would be a boiling hot take right oh, but, but, but before before you continue, <laughs> Ross, i just have a question yes now knowing what you know about bobby are you still picking iggy over bobby well this is this is my thing. I don't, I probably not, but like, fuck it. I got to do my point anyway. Do it. Let's do it. This is that, this is that undisputed first take type crap where it's like, That's you know, saying. they I don't even to... believe it, but they're going to argue it anyway. Because, yeah, you know, conflict. Yes. Nope. Yes. You're not supposed to be telling the audience. Supposed to just be, Come on, That's guys. okay. Let's see how well he can argue one of the worst picks in the 75 I've ever seen. So go so for it. I wrote the the first thing I have here in my notes is he was my seventy fifth player. You're you're starting on the defense. You're starting on the defense. He is my he is my seventy fifth player. Right? He's not above anybody that you maybe you would think. Oh, how many people does he have him above in the seventy five? Nobody. All right. He's at the, he is scraping the bottom, crawling his way into the list. But he's been. Ace, he's been successful literally everywhere he's been, right? He he made the playoffs out of his 17 seasons, 14 years he's been in the playoffs. He's gone far in the playoffs a lot. He He's played with all kinds of amazing talents and gotten them, made them better than they were previously. Like, I think he, he was very good for a guy like Allen Iverson. I think he was very good for a guy like Steph Curry. I think he was good that weird year when he was on Denver and they were fucking awesome. That's one of my favorite dark horse teams of all time. Is that is that, that Nuggets team? 
that 2012. Yeah. That Nuggets team that like, and they didn't have a superstar, but yeah. they were still. But he was the he was the closest thing, and Jabale McGee would come in for like 20 minutes a game and just completely destroy everyone. It was the weirdest. They used their high altitude in Denver. It felt like to their advantage because they were going up and down the floor constantly, all nine yards. Fun fact about that: uh, apparently, in the playoffs, they played they played the warrior the Warriors in the playoffs that year, and Steph Curry was getting uh, was getting fouled like aggressively by you know it was something that George Carl and I guess everything that we know about George Carl now it's not that surprising uh, <laughs> was coming at him right and. Iguodala went out of his way to be like, yo, I'm not a part of this shit. <laughs> not a part of this. Uh, and I, they're, they're playing him hard. I just want the best person to win. It's funny that he ends up on the Warriors not very long after that conversation, it feels like. <laughs> um, but anywho, gets to the Warriors, sacrifices immensely. A guy that could have easily done way more than he did with another team, goes to Golden State and becomes like one of the best glue guys for a dynasty type team if you want to call that warriors period of dynasty like one of the best team chemistry glue guys could come in could guard the other team's best player at any point uh it's why he won finals mvp although it could be argued a million different ways i'm not even gonna i'm gonna throw the finals mvp i don't even care about that fucking that's like one of the only <laughs> real arguments. <laughs> I have said zero. I have said zero about anybody's finals MVP. Now you're doing the Dario thing. You're doing the, the Dario thing. You're doing the Paul Pierce thing. What's up with everybody shooting themselves in the foot? Hang on to that finals MVP. You need it. You Don't need it. Don't get rid of it. Whatever you do. Because I'm coming. Okay? Because My whole thing is ready. like, how do you have this dude over Tony Parker? Like, that. that's like... <laughs> See, that's what I was going to get at. That's what I was going to get at, Dario. Because... I will not argue. I will not argue that Andre Iguodala is a, such an underappreciated talent. Sure, I will not argue against that. And I think another thing that got flies under the radar is similar to Dwight Howard, similar to guys who've just been a real, along really long time. A lot of kids don't really know how good he was back in his younger days because Iguodala and Philly was so athletic, so incredible. I mean. I, he never became a superstar, but there was people going, is he on the verge of becoming a superstar? Like that, that, that was a legitimate question for a while. Oh, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I think even his best days, especially on the off- offensive end, like most youngins just don't even know about. But like, like, like Darius said, it gets to the point where it's like, okay, but you're picking him over this guy. Tony Parker is an example. I'd go to another guy that I picked that no one else did, Alonzo Mourning. Tell me what Iggy does better than Alonzo Mourning. Like score, defend, uh, rebound. Uh, like what does he do better? You know, like <laughs> so that, that, that's the thing for me. You're the only one that had Alonzo, right? I am the only one who had Alonzo, and I don't mind that because I – Alonzo, for me, is one of the most underrated players of all time. And here's a funny thing. I think there's a reason for that. Alonzo Mourning is one of those weird guys who, like, take Jordan's Jordan's era, and everybody goes, look at how Jordan kept everybody from being one, considered one of the greatest players of all time, which is yeah. true. If it mm-hmm. isn't for Jordan, the Jazz might be champions twice. Uh, if it isn't Jordan, maybe the Indiana's a champion once, even the Knicks. 
you know, Charles Barkley, Phoenix Suns. I get all that. But then I think there's another guy who was kind of affected by all the Jordan stuff. And one's Alonzo Mourning. Because Alonzo Mourning didn't have the most talented team when he was in Charlotte. They were still decent, but not the most talented team when he was in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Spent a bunch of time in Miami with Tim Hardaway. They were a fun team. But they don't really have that iconic moment in the playoffs with Michael Jordan. You know, like Reggie Miller is always going to be remembered because of his battles with with Jordan in 1998. They're going to remember the shove off. They're going to remember the three point sure. shot and Reggie skipping around all over the place after he makes the buzzer beater. Uh, Charles Barkley for 93, where Jordan uh, scored 41. Like they'll always remember that battle in Phoenix and that sort of thing. Paxson's game winning shot. Alonzo, as great as he was, he doesn't have that moment where he's like immortalized. You I can know? tell you what he does have, though. He has one of the most boring playoff series I've ever come across in my life <laughs> with him versus the Bulls, where their pace was like fucking what? <laughs> Mid 70s? And, yeah. And Alonzo had a zero for one game. Maybe he scored two points with two seconds left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But- I'm not going to let one moment, though, ruin a guy. Because no, I could I go, I could I go just, any great player, and I can give you the worst stat lines of all time with any great. I just and, also am, am skept, I'm a skeptic of that. And we talked about this when we were doing Jordan's legacy breakdown, but Jordan's second three-peat run is one of, for the entire league, irrelevant of conferences. Just the competition is questionable, to say the least. And when you combine that with an incredibly slow pace, you're just put in a situation where I I don't know. I think that's why all the a lot of those guys, besides the Jordan held them down thing, I think that's another reason why you don't hear a lot of those a lot from those guys from back then. Is because there's to your point, there's a not there's not a lot of those entertaining sequences and And because at, it's a slower era, the stat yeah. lines don't stand out as much. That they don't too. pop. You know, because yeah. teams were only scoring 90 points a game. It's harder to, for a player to score 30 points a game. Jordan, Carl uh, Malone in 1990 is the only player other than Jordan for the entire decade to eclipse 30 points per game in a season. Exactly. Just Carl Malone that one season. I mean, it, it was it was harder than to stand out on offense. But uh, let me let me let me let me speak for Alonso just a little bit more. Yeah, because <laughs> in his best years, in his best years, he was a great scorer. Had a pretty yeah. good had a pretty good mid range jumper. Could even push it out to nineteen twenty feet, sure. and he was north of twenty points a game during his best time. While, especially later on in his career in Miami, mm-hmm. one of the greatest defensive players of all time. People don't yeah. bring him up <clears throat> like just an incredible shot blocker um, d- with the two thousand and six Heat. But I mean that whole kind of stretch with the Heat. He was coming off the bench for Shaq, right. and he was like that amazing, incredible sixth man, but on defense. Yeah. If you if you look at like uh, the NBA Finals and in 2006, Got he it. played hardly any minutes, and he's still averaging like one and a half block. Like the dude was a force, and he was without question the best defensive player on that team. And so you can't be the best defensive player on a championship team and not get a tremendous amount of credit that even if you're well past your prime. Not to mention his prime was pretty solid too, both offensively and defensively. Shaq so. always mentions him when he talks about this. Yeah. Always, yeah. never, never hesitates. Yeah, Never and he and he was a he was a beast down there. He was perfect for that era, but I mean, Alonso is one of the strongest players to ever live. I mean, yeah. dude was built like a tank. Yeah, and so he was perfect for that. Block that and a half on amount, amount of brolicness. So I'm talking about <laughs> a block and a half on 11 minutes a game is is fire. Yeah, yeah. try pro, try pro rating that dude. That's insane. That gets insane real fast. <laughs> 
getting a block every time he touches the floor. He comes out. He's fucking people up. I mean, you start prorating that a little bit. I mean, again, it's he's conserving his energy by only playing eleven minutes. I get that, but you prorate a lot a little bit. You're talking about the greatest Akeem Olajuwon block shot numbers of all time. Like yeah. that's what you're talking about. Like that's insane. And that was him in his old age. So that's a fair point. I, I'm not. I'm not against any of these claims. I just, for me, this is why I have Iguodala as my 75th guy. Because yeah, I think he's probably a shade above Iguodala. But things like, this is the thing that I'm interested to see when we, besides Iguodala, but just like going back to how is everybody going to vote? I wonder how much ring culture has affected something like this. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, but because like you said, good, yeah. No, my bad. Because, uh, like Johnny said uh, earlier, the the criteria is essentially hardware and statistics, tangible stuff. And so, and that, especially in the last twenty five years, has only elevated. And we're talking about playoff accolades and and championship rings. It ma- I feel like maybe I'm bugging, but to me, it feels like rings matter so much more at this point of time than they did. Previously, they did. They matter, but I feel like we were talking about other things besides the end all, be all, being like in Jordan's case, the six rings and the six and zero and stuff like that. I, I, I feel. I feel like Jordan okay. is what made that ring thing. I think. Well, what like, do you I, think, Johnny? I, I don't know if I agree with that. I just think yeah. it. I, I just think it depends. It really just depends on each individual person. Because how does Robert Parrish get in the original fifty? But Dominique Wilkins, who averaged over 25 points per game for 10 consecutive seasons straight, by yeah. far the guy who carried his franchise in Atlanta and Atlanta. And the only reason he's not making it to the finals is because that was the era of super teams in the Eastern Conference. Talking about the Philadelphia 76ers with Dr. J, Maurice Cheeks, and Charles Barkley. You're talking about the Detroit Pistons with Bill Lambier, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman. Then you go to the Celtics. You've got Bill Walton coming off the bench, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, freaking uh, and Robert Parrish. Like, come on, man. Like, like Dominique's not going to be able to beat that. But I mean, he he just did it for ten years straight. He was a stat guy, but they yeah. didn't put him in. They didn't put a guy in like Bob McAdoo, who like put up crazy stats too. So I think it just depends, you know. Like Russell Westbrook, you know, won MVP in 2017 because of stats. Like sure. nobody had won an MVP being a seventh seed in like decades. You know, that? I thought he was fourth. Let me double. Wasn't he sixth? Six, maybe it was six. They were the bottom half. I, I, I was gonna I say when you say seventh, I was like, damn, that's low. I'm pretty sure he was seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the last time before that that a team was outside the top two in the conference at one MVP was Michael Jordan in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Every year before that, back to nineteen eighty eight, the winner of the MVP was in a top two team in the conference. So um but Russ kind of broke that a little bit. And so I don't know. I think it just depends. I think it's gonna vary and it's it's gonna be interesting to see how these where these voters kind of take it, whether they're going to emphasize ring or stats. Cause I mean, look at how divisive a player like Westbrook is. Sure. You know, cause there's so many people that are for him and that just go on and on about stats, but as many people as that are for him, there's just as many people, if not more who are like, but he hasn't won anything. So yeah. I feel like both cultures, both, both ways of thinking are, are pretty strong. So it's yeah. tough to say, but I think, I think I feel like, what limits that that just limits him from being considered like a 
a top, maybe like a top 20 player all time versus like, I feel like a lot of people would still have Westbrook in their top 50 if they were just voting today um, yeah, yeah. because of the MVP for having the four triple, the four seasons of triple doubles. I think that's just, that's one of those things that you can't go through NBA history without mentioning that. So to me, you automatically just that, like we talked about Oscar Robinson for 60 years or 50 years because of that triple double. Like if, if Oscar Robinson never had that triple double record or whatever, he, we most likely would not be talking about Oscar the same way. And I will say something that's kind of a hot, uh, well, it sounds like a hot take, but it's just a fact. In 1962, when he put up that triple double season, it was easier to put up a triple double season then. Well, it's the, yeah, it, the, the teams around the league as a whole yeah. were averaging, what was it, like 118 points a game, I believe, mm-hmm. 118.7, I think, if I remember exactly. But um, it, was, it, it was nuts. The, and it was like, and again, there's no three point shot. So you're yeah. talking about the pace is fast. So more rebounds, more assists, more points. And as a point guard, it's like, yeah, I'm not hating on Oscar. I'm just saying that, yeah, there, there's a part of Westbrook that, that definitely gets underappreciated for yeah. sure. Does it drive, like you, right now. Does it drive you nuts that Bill Russell won the MVP this year, or are you cool with it? I feel like I'm glad it happened. I'm glad Russell won it. It sets a good precedence going forward. I think, <laughs> it's more, I think it's more interesting than anything else. I'm not sure. I just I wish that. I could get one of those guys on my channel and ask him why the hell yeah. was Wilt Chamberlain dropping 50 points and snagging 25 rebounds from you every damn night and you still freaking gave it to Bill Russell. Like, yeah. <laughs> you get destroyed by Wilt every night and you guys still voted for Bill Russell. And so they must have just, but again, it's by players. So maybe there's some personal animosity there. Maybe they're and looking and they're. not exactly America's or, or the, the league's favorite amongst people he was yeah maybe they're jealous of his the fact that he's a player the fact that he gets all the ladies maybe (laughs) maybe they're looking at his teammates and seeing how unhappy they are because they don't get to score like like wilt does there's a lot of reasons that could have been the case i'm just more interested than anything else i it sounds kind of crazy to me but i don't know maybe they had some good reasons i mean it was pretty pretty unanimous so i mean yeah and they it it feels like everybody every interview i've ever watched on that on like people talking about that that lived it it just always came back to the idea of winning. It's that the Celtics and Russell were just so uh, much more dominant from a winning standpoint. They they had what eleven games on the next person on the next team. Yeah, right? so, and that narrative had to have been strong because it was strong enough yeah. to get Wilt to change his game. You know, yeah. around like sixty six, sixty seven, just completely yeah. changed his approach. And he's like, "All right, I'll lead the league in assists because I'm tired of hearing your crap." Yeah. You know? yeah. So sure. yeah. all right, Lindsay, you have Clay Thompson. Yes. Right? Preach. Well, it's uh, it's slightly a little bit of, like, begrudging respect to him because, you know, as a sad Clippers fan, watching him, like, hurt you that many times, you kind of have to be like, okay, you're good. But also, then you're thinking about the fact that he was a major part of a dynasty in the modern era, and he's probably one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen, and I just thought he should be on the list. <laughs> I can help her out a little bit too. I think that's a good argument because even as she said it, the more I think about it, I'm like, you know, there is an argument there. There is like, an argument. Thank you, John. There is an argument. Well, yeah. Well, because 
great defender, great defensive player. Doesn't get enough credit for that. Yeah. Um, is he somewhat overshadowed by Steph Curry? Because if Steph Curry's not there, are we saying that Clay Thompson's the best shooter in the entire league? Are we raving more about him as a shooter, or is he, you know, just overshadowed by by Steph mm-hmm. a little bit? And one thing you can't argue is when he gets hot, he's one of the most explosive mm-hmm. scorers of all time. Thirty-seven points in one quarter, um, you know, sixty points on like what, like four dribbles or something like that. Like if he gets hot, he's one of the most dangerous players of all time. So he so also I. has the profile of a Roman statue that should be added <laughs> to his list. He does have that, yeah. Yeah, he has that. That, that that's the strongest point. I should have yeah, thought of that. Absolutely. That's shit I never would have thought to say. The only thing with play for me is does the he's only been in the league eight well played eight years in the league. Like, Twice as many as Shaq when they put him in. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I feel like he Shaq's never been there. But right. like a guy like Giannis, what he the reason Giannis gets in with, with that many years played is because of all he's accomplished, you know. Obviously, um, Clay really winning the three championships is awesome, and he was also the second best player in one of those championship teams. Like you'd are you probably you'd probably third or fourth in in the in the other in the last two. So like, I just feel like Clay might need a little bit more years to like kind of get give him some extra boost somehow because um all these other guys are, are superstars or played a very long career with a lot of success. Well, uh, I'll say that that's why he has, like, I get what you're saying, but that's why he has just an argument and he's not yeah. a shoe in Like, if he had the long career already, it's no argument. I'd chastise you for not putting him in. I feel <laughs> like, you know, he's yeah. he's got to be in if he had the longevity. But because it's a short kind of sample size, there you kind of have to argue it a little bit. Yeah. Johnny, you I, just I, broke my I, heart. I wanted to, to have Clay in there. I thought about him, but what'd you say? I, Johnny broke my I heart. Broke. I'm supporting Why? your case. What are you talking about? No, but you said it was only an argument. It was only an argument. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I'm saying the reason why it's debatable in the first place is because he's so great in a short sample size. That's the only reason it's debatable. That's yeah. my point. If he if he had a long career of a lot of the other guys, he's a shoe in, and so I feel like I'm supporting your case. I'm saying he's one of the greatest ever, but he did it. He's done it in a small window, so that's why people debate it. Do yeah. you do you where do you guys rank him amongst the most clutch players you've ever seen? Because this is where I think he's the most underrated. He is so clutch. Clay's top five for me. He is dangerous. He is in elimination games. He is. There's there's not many people better the, than him. Game time. six, Clay is a thing. When yeah, they, if you have, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna lie, because of my LeBron hate, I became like a huge Warrior fan because <laughs> I was just hating on LeBron throughout that process. <laughs> but so I was, I watched like every single Warriors game throughout that five year run, and Clay Thompson, when whenever there was a big moment and they needed someone, he he. Did what he had to do. Only the 2016 finals, but it, yeah. Other than that, he always came through. It felt like every time their back was at least a little against the wall, you could pencil in Clay for 30 and a bunch of threes, like 37. Wild. He was doing jumping jacks in the Raptors finals, trying to get back on the court. If you had 30 and three quarters after, yeah, right. after his ACL, freaking <laughs> that was epic. That was epic. 
I love that. I love that the three of us are all praising Clay Thompson now. We're the three, you know, jerks <laughs> that didn't put him in. <laughs> and that is why I'm correct, and you guys are all wrong. No, you you're still wrong. It's not bad. It's you know, it's I don't I don't hate the pick at all. I, I, Clay's kind of weird when you start talking about clutch. Um, because yes, he always came through, yeah. but it's certainly a lot easier to come through when you're not the focal point and not, and not everybody's expecting the ball to come to you. Like sure. Steph Curry is clear option a always, you know, except when there was Kevin Durant too, but that even makes, makes a greater point of clay really benefits from being opened up, you know? And, um, so that's just hard. It's hard to factor that in. I get what you guys are saying with clutch. I don't know if he be that same guy if he was on his own i mean you look at katie's numbers of efficiency when he was playing on the thunder the instant he went to golden state his efficiency went up you know three pointers field goal percentage because it's exactly what jerry west said when he tried to recruit him imagine how open you're going to be all the time with the two greatest shooting guards ever you know freeing you up and so it's kind of hard but um but yeah he comes through what was that statement though the two greatest shooting oh right so why isn't he on the list (laughs) <laughs> so, so why are you coming at me? I told you I should pick. So I, I, I trying, argued like, for I it. Right? To fucking come out. <laughs> like, if anything, I'm on your side, Lindsay. Yeah. I mean, kind of. I, Maybe I'll change the list to put him ahead of McAdoo. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I, does he go I, ahead I, of Carter with only eight years? I don't know. Johnny, Johnny, I agree with that for the most part. My whole thing is opportunity. Like, just because he has the opportunity doesn't mean he. He has the ball, to, the ball doesn't have to go in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, think about how many other players had those same opportunities playing with these great, great players and didn't weren't as clutch as this guy or didn't come up as big as this guy in the, in certain moments. Like, that's that's what's funny is you're saying I can't blame him for his circumstances, but I don't get how you could take that logic and take it to the guys in the past. <laughs> I don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, you, you talk about their competition and you blame them because of who was in front of them and that sort of thing. But then Clay Thompson that, is open because different. he's got these great shooters around him. And you're like, we can't blame him for the situation he's in. You know, he got it done at the end of the day. And it's like, where Stop was on. this? That's completely different. And the reason, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I'm saying is I'm not going to say this guy is as great as this guy because all right, this guy went against, like Mike, um, Frank, like uh, Shaq. Shaq yeah. went against, like you could argue, five to ten great centers, like five, probably five all-time great centers throughout his career. And Will Chamberlain went against one, maybe two. <laughs> no, study up, study up on Nate Thurman. Study yeah. up on Nate Thurman. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm gonna say. Study up on Nate Thurman, yeah, please. The, yeah, but, two, all right. So we the, the guy who looks Rod, like, Rod like he, Nate Thurman. And and my man's uh, the guy um, who looks like Thor before he like got fat in Endgame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Study up on that guy. So yeah, so he went against good. two, and Shaq went against fifty. So that's my. my well, I don't get why it's only Shaq. <laughs> Not every era had Shaq's like had Shaq's competition at center. <laughs> no, like, I know, I know, I know. Take the twenty tens for example. An example of two because yeah. a lot of people compare Shaq and well that. that it's, you, you know what I mean. Danny. I, I get on. that. I get that. And who knows? Maybe if you take Shaq back to 62, he's averaging 50 as well. I mean, I get it. I get it. We have one last guy to talk about. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. This is my least favorite player in all professional sports. Oh, jeez. So I would like to hear 
this shit. This is not my least favorite, so at least this is easily against one here. I fucking hate Mellow. I'm so just I'm, confused. Oh I am dying to hear this reasoning. I just think every every decision where he could have made a different one to be more successful and have more hardware, he chose not to make. Like he had so many opportunities to do that. He's done interviews as such saying as much. <laughs> it was always about the money and getting buckets. And fuck him. That's how I feel Russ, about him. Russ, let him make his argument. <laughs> no, that's okay. He could, he could set it up. He could I'm set setting it up. it up. Go for it. So, <laughs> so I don't, I'm not going to trip about the fact that me and Russell disagree on this because we've established at this point that we have a very different method of how <laughs> we, uh, you know, um, how we rank our list. You know, I'm clearly methodical about it, facts over feelings. He's extremely emotional about it. Um, <laughs> Rocks his head, as you said. Anyway, um, no, Car- Carmelo, uh, first off, he's still active. And he's already in the top 10 among the all-time leading scorers of NBA history. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's one of the best bucket getters. Something that people forget. I mean, just look up a compilation video. He is one of the best, like, final 10 seconds shot makers of all time. Mm-hmm. Dude is clutch. And people, and again, people don't seem to notice that because he's not doing it in a lot of the big games that mattered most. Mm-hmm there's certain situations where things just could have been slightly different. And maybe we view Carmelo Anthony completely differently for one draft day. Mm-hmm. I mean, Darko, I was one of those people who was saying back then, I can't prove it. Cause I wasn't a, you know, a person on social media yet, yeah. but I was one of those people that's like, they need to pick Carmelo Anthony. Who's this a big a foreign guy we know hardly anything about unproven in the league like take carmelo he's a sure thing and detroit didn't take him and if detroit takes him i know people say fit whatever dude that team would have had bill wallace uh, ben wallace richard hamilton tayshawn prince chauncey billups and carmelo anthony come on he's getting at least one championship maybe two out of that because carmelo was a pretty good player straight out of college he was pretty productive he wasn't lebron but he was really good and then you look at 2009 and if the Lakers don't win that championship, if Kobe isn't on an absolute mission doing the, you know, underbite face season, um, then Denver's winning that series. You know, uh, they were the Honestly. best team. In- yeah, yeah, exactly. Denver was the best team in the league other than Lakers, no question. And he fought Kobe tooth and nail. I mean, that was one of the most legendary individual battles I ever remember was the Western Conference Finals in 2009 between Mella and Kobe. Yeah. He put a four What's that? Oh, yeah. He put a 40-piece on him in game one. I remember that. Oh, yeah. And whether or not you – I mean, it's debatable whether or not you should include the Olympics in it. But if the Olympics are included, then it's easy. Carmelo's Carmelo's in it. Three-time gold medalist was the highest-scoring Olympian ever up until Kevin Durant recently passed it. So if you want to factor that in, it becomes even easier. But just at the rate he's getting buckets, top 10 scorer of all time, didn't win very much, but he was close and in the right situation, I think he could have. Um, and a lot of the things like Russell was saying that, you know, kind of shot himself in the foot was just like a question of his intelligence rather than his basketball skills, I would say. You I'm know, told, like I'm fine with that. I was so frustrated, like, like, why the heck are you staying with the Knicks? And it even got personal because I remember 
in like 20 after after Dwight Howard left soon after that like 2014 time he had a chance to come with the Lakers and he thought about it and um I given how Kobe declined in his health and everything I actually don't necessarily think that would have been the best situation but I definitely did not think that staying in freaking New York was the best situation knowing that management has been screwing them forever yeah and um so again, that's that's just an intelligence thing. But like, he's one of the greatest scorers of all time, uh, and I'll get you a bucket when it matters. He also could have waited to go to New York instead of forcing the trade. That was bad. I forgot about so that. Oh, unnecessary. Yeah, he, he could have had that whole pretty much that Nuggets team that Russell says that he loves so much in twenty in twenty twelve. He could have had that as his bench. That's another reason why I love them so much is because. I just think about, oh, this is what Melo could have had on New York. And instead, <laughs> he went on the fucking Melo's team and without him and did the same and still managed to be extremely successful. A lot of it's circumstance, though, too, because I mean, like with Melo, his best season with New York was 2012 to 2013. They were 55 and 27 that year. And who did they yeah. run into? The Miami Heat that were coming off of winning 27 straight games that year with Wade, Bosch, and Melo and Ray Allen. Yeah. Like, that's not fair on Mello. Like that was his best chance in New York. And he never really had a chance because LeBron decided I'll want to, you know, take all the amazing free agents to Miami. It's like, that's not his fault. But even but, with that Knicks team, it was just a live by the three, die by the three situation in New York. But we were getting to that point where that was starting to work. I mean, yeah, but, but Dallas it? just did that in 2011, right? They were a three point shooting team. Yeah. But it, see, this is where I think about all the things that, factor in intelligence wise i just don't think Melo would have been able to be that to be the leader in that in a situation like that like i just maybe. don't think but, i just don't think so just, and they're probably losing to spurs in the final so maybe he has a final appearance but they're probably yeah. losing to spurs so so one thing that so thinking because after looking into Melo, how much different was he to dominique wilkins I mean, like from a overall, style standpoint. No, like, style style for sure. I'm talking about yeah. overall career. When you look at their career in totality, like we, we have Dominique Wilkins. Like, because I was thinking about that today because um, I left Melo out as well. But I started looking into Dominique and, and Melo together. And it kind of, like, yeah. you can argue Melo over Dominique in a it's sense. A great if they left out Melo of the 75, it would be like Dominique all over again. Oh, I yeah. actually I actually really like that comparison because there's a lot outside of style, outside of approach that really lines up. One of yeah. the greatest scorers of all time uh wasn't in the right situation so ended up getting bounced out of playoffs a, a bunch. Uh 1988, I think it was 88 or 89 playoffs with Larry Bird. Dominique had one of the greatest solo battles of all yeah. time, which is kind of reminiscent of what Melo had with Kobe in 2009. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great comparison. I like and it. Melo technically, so Melo, what they did well in terms of scoring, you could argue Melo did better. It's mm-hmm. an argument. Yeah, and neither player is a good defensive scoring, player. He's either. just a little ahead of, of Dominique. Then you got, got Melo in the playoffs. Melo really did go to the Eastern Conference Finals at least. Nick never never left the semifinals. Like that that battle against Bird was in the in the semifinals. Yeah, but I could argue that the that the eighties, uh, yeah, it was more 80s competitive. Especially, it, sure. it might have been the strongest conference of all time. I, yeah, I, could probably I agree. agree. I, yeah. I agree for sure. But I, but that's in terms of if you're looking at both players, that like, and you're just trying to give edges to one or the other. Like it, I felt like I, I that was pretty much my edge with with Dominique is. He had to go against the, in the toughest conference of arguably all time, 
and and had to fight in there and and pretty much he was a top player and everybody knew him and and what i loved about him was the achilles thing like he pretty much created he get he created hope for, for all players who ever got an achilles injury that's fair yeah. you can be mm-hmm. the next dominique dominique did it you possibly could do it and only katie has has come close but um, yeah from for Melo's more emotional for me though, like the Achilles thing, I, like because obviously Kobe when he had his Achilles injury, it always has to come back to Kobe. So it hits you, hits you in the soft spot. Yeah, when when he got his Achilles injury, that was like all that was on my mind. Is like this guy did it. Kobe's one hundred. He was four or five years older than Neek at that point, though. Yeah, so for that, sure. That no, crazy. I know that, yeah, but I wasn't at at the time. I was like seventeen. And I did not think about that at all. I'm just like, he could definitely do this. Fuck that. Like, <laughs> no, I wasn't 17. I was like 20. So back to, back to Mel though. <laughs> yeah, definitely true. Last thing, my, my last question on Carmelo. So I'm, I'm thinking about Melo during that Knicks, de- Knicks era. While he was on the Knicks, where did he rank in the East for you? Because for me, he's either third or fourth out of the teams from that period of time. So we're talking teams, not an individual player. No, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking teams from that era. Like I have, I have Miami number one in that period of time with LeBron, Wade, those guys. I have the Pacers who were battling Miami during that period of time, and the Knicks had an opportunity to go against and could not beat them. And I have the Bulls with Derrick Rose on the come up at that point. I think I have them over that Knicks team. That's not my opinion. But I, 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 I like their I, I like the Bulls more defensively than that that Knicks squad. Like I don't know. I j I don't have the Knicks higher than fourth out of those out of those teams. I think this is Derrick Rose injury year. This particular year? Yeah. He just won MVP the year before. No, yeah, I'm just I was just I put this up so I could get an idea for the era in general. Yeah. Um Yeah, I was not taking Brooklyn seriously at that point. Indiana was weird. Yeah. Like yeah. part of me just feels like they just matched up really good with Miami. Larry like, Bird, baby. Like Larry they Bird just make it so happen. Yeah, they just like which first of all, like MVP, coach of the year, GM of the year, like appreciate Larry Bird because he's the Savage. only guy who's ever done that. Like Savage. any form of basketball, he's good at his job, no matter yeah. what job he has. <laughs> um but yeah, it's they're two or three. I mean, they're still two or three behind Miami. I, I because yeah. the Bulls, I I I need to remember when Derrick Rose has that injury because we can't pretend that didn't happen. No, no, no. Yeah, and then Brooklyn, I don't take seriously. Um, and Indiana, you might put Indiana ahead of New York, but I think it'd be a great series. A part of me they, thinks they, it was just a great matchup. Injured in that it was a series, and they beat him in six games. Didn't Stoudemire get, get injured in that series, though? Amari? So, so, yeah. so was Indiana the team that eliminated New York that year? Yeah. Yeah. It was. In the yeah. Okay. At least this. Well, well then, up. technically, they have to be three, right? Yeah, that's that's where um, my head was at. <laughs> <laughs> Can you I don't know. I don't know why. I thought I remember Mel going up for that dunk. This will be on your screen. I think it was Mel. Mel going up for the dunk, and Roy Hibbert just fucking blocking the shit out of him. Now that was like a microcosm for the whole series. Then what year did Miami eliminate New York? To me, it's not fairly comparing the two teams because they weren't at there. Like. Their second best player was injured, and not. But in Amari game. has less of a window than Derrick Rose on the Bulls. Like Amari on the Knicks is even shorter. It felt like he was hurt, like right after Melo got there. It felt like Amari then fell off. 
No, I know, but what I'm saying is is when you're talking about that Knicks team throughout the regular season, yeah. they were at a stature with Amari. Once they, I thought they were at a stature because of the threes. Like they were making so many threes at that point. With J.R. Smith being the sixth man of the year. Tyson this was Lynn Sanity year as well, right? Uh I don't think so. But it's all in the era. It's all like that Knicks, it's all part of that Knicks era. And I still wouldn't put them as second in the East. <laughs> I well, think, if, any, if Indiana de- defeated them by rule, I can't. So yeah. <laughs> they literally That's lost. The well, you're talking about saying that, that you're, you're, the Miami Heat's your least favorite team historically like that? I hated the them era? at this time. I mean, I hated LeBron's move to Miami. Part of it was not just because like, I hated LeBron or I hated it. I hate the way it just felt like cheap and cheating and all that sort of thing. That's what I felt like before Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. But <laughs> I wanted to see LeBron go to New York. He had foreshadowed that. He was always talking about, oh, I love playing the Big Apple, all that. And it just, it would have felt awesome to see the Knicks like be contenders again with LeBron James. Oh my gosh, he would have been like such a hero in New York. And like, that would have been fun to watch. But, um, but you take into context everything that went on that season. I had some own drama going on in my personal life too. So I had my mind was elsewhere. But then you had the heat, you had Kobe just tore his Achilles. And like yeah. we get swept in the first round, but it was just so shit everywhere. Just, yeah, and when and when LeBron joined, yeah. I like I got to enjoy the defeat, like us beating the Celtics in 2010 for like a month, maybe <laughs> it might have been like a few weeks. And then LeBron's like, "I'm taking my talents to South Beach," and I'm like, "Well, that's the end of our dynasty." Like, but you didn't, get happy, you, yeah, you didn't get happy with the Dirk annihilation. That like that was so fun for me to watch. It was like, bittersweet, but we got swept, dude. Yeah, I was about to I, say, didn't, didn't I cried? Didn't I cried that series, but I rooted for Dirk. <laughs> I, I was like, if you're gonna sweep my guy, you better beat shit down this dude's leg. Like, like, I was rooting for Dirk. I was talking all types of shit to all LeBron fans. I was like, you can't talk shit about what he did to my guy because he's doing the same thing to your guy. The old, the the old school memes back then. Oh my gosh, that was funny. You know, it's yeah. like. What, what was it like the memes where it was like i tried kobe would be like i tried calling lebron but it didn't ring or there wasn't a ring oh, <laughs> you know like stuff like that like the 2011 20, like the memes classic or, or like i don't i don't pick up after one ring <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they, they literally kept it going until like very recently and they're like okay i think he has too many rings for this joke to work anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh all right is that it are we good yeah, I think I think I think he made he made a decent point for Melo. Still don't got him in mind, but I'm, yeah, I'm confused not still about Melo. I'm not really? putting, putting Melo on my list. I'd put Bob back well, the- again. Why, Lindsay? Why wouldn't you put him? There? Like why? Why not? Well, well, I'm all, I think I'm more so confused is that like because you said you made your list based off of like all around player as well, and I'm just confused as to how Melo fits that. Because he's so good at what he's good at. And it's scoring. He's he's one of the top ten scores in NBA history, and um, yeah, he's not a good defensive player for sure. I recognize that, but um, on the offensive end, he's one of the most difficult to guard, especially in the post. Um, and he's a big shot maker that I just don't think was in the right situations a lot of time. Now again, I'll, I'll take the Russell tactic here. He might be my seventy-five. You know? <laughs> he, he might he might be my last guy. I do like your Clay Thompson. Um, and definitely, if we were going back to the guys who the NBA missed, and I was considering more of those guys, 
there's certainly other guys I would consider putting in here as well because they, they, they screwed up on a lot of those. Well, that was, that was the hard – yeah, that was, that's going to be the hardest part. I think that's why they're coming full circle because we started with this and now we'll probably finish with this. I think that's why they are throwing out the old list and just doing a new one. I would, yeah. I would think that's the logic of it is maybe we'll try and get everybody. But I don't know how that's going to be possible. Somebody's going to be mad. Yeah, I feel like they're <laughs> going to piss more people off. Maybe. We'll yeah, see. I'm just worried about all those young voters, man. Educate yourself, young guns. <laughs> yeah, watch this fucking episode. Watch this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Watch this while you click your buttons and do well, your voting. This might, have been done longest, <laughs> this might have been the longest podcast in hey, Apex it'll work out, history. It'll work out good. Maybe I'll cut it into two parts. We'll see what happens. No, no, no. it's a good thing. I think. I think like, no, leave it put it out. Way. It's a fucking movie. Yeah, leave <laughs> this all the way through. It has to be all the way through. You got clips for days. I mean, this that's is, a fair point. This <laughs> is our Gone with the Wind of podcasts. We expect, <laughs> we expect Academy Awards to come in. Fucking <laughs> Dancing with Wolves, like that. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for Apex Greatness, I'm Russell Browder. Directly beneath me is John Arnett. One under him is Dario Albuquerque. Off camera is the fairy pod by Lindsay Lehman. And we are saying... Peace. Peace. Hey guys, if you like what you heard, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Just type in Apex Greatness on YouTube to see everything we put out this year. From legacy breakdowns to current NBA and NFL content. We have over 150 videos to binge if you're that type of person or just to listen to in your spare time. We have about two to five hours of new content every week. Check us out. Later.